Cheers, y'all. Well, 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 well. Ah, the voice is back. <laughs> Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to this fine radio program, podcast, and video extravaganza known internationally Hi, as Mom. the world-famous Smoking and Toasting. Adam, could I have just a little more headphones? Uh, thank you very much. That's perfect. Uh, welcome to the show. It's show number 263, and we are going to be uh, on a tear today. We've got so much great stuff to talk about. Um, we had uh, Michael Duckworth was scheduled to be with us. They had uh, something unforeseen happen at the brewery. I won't get into exactly what it was. He's okay, but uh, and the beers are okay, uh, but he will be rescheduling him for January. So fortunately, um, we've just you know gone through the holiday season here in our building, and that means our fridge is actually stocked with beer. So we were able to pull out some beers that we can sample today. I have to tell you, the fridge at RFC Media, Media is like the best work fridge ever. It there's really, really almost is. always beer almost always beer in there, and there's even some seltzers. And I think if you look in the upper corner, there's a whole bunch of white wine too. It's so. a, it's a strange phenomenon too because when you open the fridge, mm-hmm. um, there's been times when there's no beer whatsoever in there. Yeah, there's never times where there's like one or two beer. It's either like a case or two, <laughs> or nothing, or zero. Yeah, <laughs> well, and that tells you something about the people who work here in the company. So, well, uh, welcome. It's it's good to be back. So uh, we will be talking today, by the way, about the best. Best whiskeys of 2021. The list has been released. So very excited. All right. That's almost last year. Yeah, I know. It's getting real close to being last year. I mean, we're it? halfway to 2022 uh, now. Our program is brought to you by MyCigarShirts.com. Great shirts for cigar lovers on the web. Uh, check them out. They're a bit snarky, and you'll like them. MyCigarShirts.com because. Cigars. Um, so, Ian, uh, in addition to the uh, the beers that we were able to scrounge from the fridge, uh, we will also be tasting some of this rum that's atop Mr. Twirly Gig Man, right what now. a quirky, cool bottle yeah, that is. Yeah, it's got that slant... The, the neck of the bottle is to one side. I'm going to hold it's this slanted. up here so you can yeah. see it. So I will tell you that um, because of that slanted neck, I was very concerned about safety in pouring. Well, because depending on the direction you pour, I mean, it's like it's like a, it's slanted almost like a, uh, you know how the oil uh, containers, when you buy a quart of oil, it's mm-hmm. always off to one side. Right, and right, you never exactly. know which side to pour it from, exactly. even though you're yeah. supposed to put, I think, the low side down. If you pour it this way, you have to overcome this hump in the glass, and that right. can mean that your, your liquid hesitates and then pours out very fast. But if you pour it this way, it's all going to come out at a fast rate anyway because you have less slope well, to And there's deal some with. sort of a finger indentation. I wonder if it's a grippy there. spot. I maybe. bet it is a grippy spot. But in, in any event, I, uh, I took the necessary... Bottle technology's come a long way. I took the necessary precautions and made sure to clear the neck. It's good to see that. And so that way we, we, we will minimize the spillage danger. Uh, and I'm, I'm almost positive you didn't waste what you took out of it. Oh, there, no, right? I would never do that. Okay. No rum should ever be wasted, in my opinion. <laughs> no rum that's, left behind. That's kind of a credo of mine. No, <laughs> no rum no rum left behind. That's, <laughs> that's the plan. Uh, so anyway, we'll get to that. It is R.L. Seal's Finest Barbados Rum. So we'll get to that on the program today. Plus, a lot going on. Major announcement from Fuente that I'm really excited about. And we got new cigars to watch for. we got the 24 best stouts in America to try this winter. Right now. Uh, believe it or not, it actually didn't even say right now in the headline. It's it just implied. Said this winter. 
It's, I guess this implied. winter is right now, isn't it? <laughs> yes, well, it is right Pro- now. Probably so. You can't tell by looking outside mm-hmm. here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, of course, we'll be talking about the best whiskeys of 2021. And, uh, oh, uh, drinking news, of course, we'll have on the program today. Our drinking news teaser headline, if you want to give me a little musical uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, flair there. What, what, do you, what do you call this? The musical... It's a musical bumper, right? A musical mm-hmm. bumper, yeah, yeah. Our uh, drinking or a news... Or whatever you want to call it. Teaser headline today is... Or a sting. Sting. Everything but the kitchen sink. Or the bathroom sink, actually. Everything but the bathroom sink. I made that kind of anticlimactic, didn't I? Uh, (laughs) We'll we'll get to it. We'll get to it, I promise. Uh, So I have to say, I I haven't had a chance yet to watch all of the show from last week, but I really enjoyed the show, That the parts of it that I watched, because you were uh, flying... Not solo without me, but you had a you had a special guest. I host. did. I, you know, I kind of won the lottery of having a, a guest on last week, um, and, and instead of getting some of the usual suspects, which I absolutely truly enjoy, um, I went out on a limb and I, I met John Denman at um, No Label Brewery uh, a few weeks at back event at the, you went to at the there, anniversary yeah. party. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, and just casually asked, "Hey, I got a show coming up where Cruz is going to be out. Would you like to sit in?" And he said, "Yes." You told him there'd be beer. He hesitated like that. Yeah. He said, yes. But okay. you told him there'd be beer, and so ultimately that was the... Uh, uh, so he's from the Drink of Ages show. Yeah, he's from the Drink of Ages uh, uh, radio program, and he was a lot of fun. He's had experience doing that for uh, quite a few years now. I think he said 2014 is when they started that. Yeah, yeah. So he's been doing the Drink of Ages for quite a while, so it was really easy. We had a great... Uh, Back and forth kind of feel going on. Uh, I really enjoyed doing the show with him. It was so, a lot of fun. So you kind of hit the lottery last week when uh, you know you had a guest host. So combine that with you hitting the lottery on normal weeks with me. Well, uh, let me and, and you, let me explain. Like, he here. was he was one level cooler because he brought beers. Oh, uh, well, I know what you're thinking. You bring beers a lot. I of bring time. beers all the he time. He brought cigars too. Oh well, I mean. I have brought cigars at, at times. <laughs> but No, he was an absolute blast. We talked a ton of stuff. I wasn't even actually aware that he worked at, um, at Spindle, uh, Spindle Tap. Because yeah. he said, you know, he mentioned we were uh, texting back and forth, you know, just telling him when the show is and all that other stuff. And he said, okay, well, I'll be at Spindle Tap that, uh, that morning. I was like, okay, cool. I didn't know if he had something going on over there. But he's actually been on a ploy there for quite a while. Uh, worked his way good. from, from uh, the ground up to the uh, second floor or wherever he's at now. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> Always good to get an office on the second yeah, floor. Yeah. No, he was <laughs> so fun. We, I, think, I think we had a, uh, we had a good uh, repartee back and forth and really enjoyed the, uh, uh, the visiting and, and the conversation. So that's great. Hopefully that's great. you guys and, enjoyed it and too. Thank you to him for uh, for filling in on the show. It was yeah, uh, that was, was fantastic. Very, very cool thing to do. Speaking of uh, bringing cigars to the show, <clears throat> I got to say a major thank you to you because you. So let me give a little bit of history on this. When we had Trenton Smith from Oliva mm-hmm. on the show recently, just a couple months ago, yeah, just yeah. a couple months ago, he was talking about and brought one for us to smoke. Actually, uh, this very limited new Oliva cigar that was coming out. You know, Trenton's incredibly awesome because not only did he bring one of us, uh, each of us, one uh, to smoke, but he had, I think, only the one box. Oh yeah, they only forwarded him the one box. We Which got, is, yeah. and there are boxes of twelve, so we had, you know. Right, exactly. A large percentage of it, actually. So you uh, contacted our friend, Alan Denny, who runs the Galveston Island Cigar I did, Lounge. I did, I did. 
and got him to hold the box of this for you I said, when they I came said, in. I said, did you order some of these boxes? He said, I did. I said, will you hold one for me? He said, I will. He's good like that. And he called me when it came in. I drove all the way out to Galveston to pick it up, and he wasn't there. Oh, no. I hate that. <laughs> but I picked up the box anyway. No, it was awesome. Well, he actually left early because he had uh, he had some other uh, plans going on, and he had one of his uh, one of his guys cover for him. So I just missed him by like 40 minutes or something oh, like that. Well, uh, and it's a bit of a drive to Galveston. So you It is, but you yeah. know what? It's a pleasant drive. Me and my wife went down there and uh, wandered around a bit and then came back. Yeah, it's, it, nice. it's not that far. Like from, I live on the south side of town. So the only real traffic you get is coming back because there's so much construction in that Texas City right area. That whole area, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, and Webster in Texas. City. In any event, I had said to you, I'll I'll split a box with you if you, you wanted did. to. You did, and uh, you came in with my half of the box today. Only you're you're not accepting my payment. You're I'm telling not. me that this is my Christmas present. I just want you to look at my Christmas present from Ian. This is amazing. Open that this up. Look how beautiful it is on the a inside. Box. Of these, and boy, the way these cigars are incredible. Oh, they're fantastic! Like, they're really, really good. Oh, look at that! See, you got the nice. Then you got the little, uh, uh, got the little cedar divider, which is padded. And then look at that. Oh, that's gorgeous, that's isn't just it? Beauty. Look at the presentation on beauty. that. Oh, what a, what a wonderful thing! So this is uh, this is a surprise, and it's unprecedented. And uh, I am really going to have to rethink. That uh, you say it's uh, unprecedented. I think I've bought two cigars before. Well, yeah, but you haven't brought me half a box of the Leva Special release. <laughs> yeah, the uh, 135th anniversary Serie V Milano, uh, and they're so good. They're they, fantastic. They really are. So I am definitely going to have to rethink what I was getting you for Christmas. That uh, package of Shrinky Dinks is not going to seem like uh, not going to seem quite appropriate. You now. know how they say it's the thought that counts. Yeah, that's well. bullshit. <laughs> Of course it is. Of course it is. No, I'm joking. Whoever said it you was owe the, me nothing, sir. Whoever said it was the thought that counts was the giver of the crappy <laughs> gift, not the receiver of the crappy gift. So, uh, in any case, uh, it's um, it's it's a really nice gesture. Thank you, my friend. Merry Christmas, my and friend. Thank you. I'm I'm feeling very Christmas. You know what's happening next week? Oh yeah. Uh, You're talking talking about our show? Yeah. Yeah. Next week is our pipe show for our Christmas. Pipe show. Yeah, we're going to be very Santa-ish with pipes. Yes. Yeah. So we do a pipe show uh, about once a year, mm -hmm. and uh, it's not at, always the same time every year, but no, we do we do fit it in. We usually do wait until it's a little mm. cool, and and it has cooled off some here, although today's fairly warm. Uh, but we will be uh, in place at the Briar Shop next week, smoking pipes and talking about pipes. And what's interesting the to me, oldest tobacco in the shop in Houston, the Briar Shop is now located in Rice Village. Yes, and, and it's a great shop. It's right next to Torchy's Tacos. For those of you who are new to Rice Village, and they are absolute like masters of the pipe. I mean, they yes. have they have so much pipe tobacco; it's just unreal. Not only is there tobacco section uh, selection, I believe it's the largest I've seen in Houston. I wouldn't be surprised if it's the largest in the whole region. Um, but their pipe selection is as well. It's fantastic, and a lot of other places. Like you go, if you go into Casa uh, de Monte Cristo, they have a nice selection of pipes, mm -hmm. but they don't have as as big a selection because uh, they're more uh, cigar oriented. As are a lot of uh, tobacco. Sure, that makes sense. Well, and and there's there's some definite pipe experts at. Uh uh, at at the briar shop yes, too, and we'll yes. have Austin's going to be with us. Uh, on so he'll show. be able to talk pipes. With uh, us. We met great. Austin briefly on the last show, and Trenton was with us. Mm -hmm. He's uh, he's one of the employees there, and a bit of a pipe specialist of mm -hmm. his own. Can't wait! It's going to be a lot. I'm going to bring some pipes to show off. You know the the pipe show. Like I said, we do them about once a year, and it's always 
it's it always posts big numbers in terms of the listening and viewing. So I don't know if it's because we only do it once or whatever, but well, it seems it, the pipe it, fans come out of the woodwork. Pipes so are interesting, and I think that a lot of times, like, uh, so there's a lot of people who watch our show that really enjoy the uh, spirit and beer side of it, and they enjoy the uh, the, the cigar side of it. They're not totally into cigars, and right. then I think there's there's also like we have our cigar fans as well that really enjoy the reviews and those kind of, those kind of things anyway but um but I do get a lot of feedback you know like I like the way you describe the cigars and stuff but I'm really not into them but I think a lot of times people uh people like the idea of a pipe first off mm-hmm. it looks really cool second off it's a little uh, it's a little more casual you know you you're not as dedicated um time wise is when you light a cigar, you're stuck until that cigar is right. done, which is great for me. Like, yeah. I bigger cigar. That's Love more it. time yes. I'm, you know, dedicated to that cigar. But uh, but I think a lot of people are intimidated by spending that much time. That's why smaller cigars, uh, in general, uh, for people who don't smoke cigars very much, because it's a little overwhelming. But pipes are one of those things that you can just load a half bowl if you want. Mm-hmm. You can get a smaller pipe. You can get... Uh, whatever tobaccos, you could just change the flavor. But I think a lot of people are, are curious about it, and they're a little scared about what it costs to get into smoking a pipe. Well, you can get one of those uh, corn cobs. The Missouri um, Meerschaums are fantastic. Yeah, and we, aren't they like five dollars or something? Man, like they're that? they're between I think ten and sixteen dollars usually ish yeah. uh, for a corn cob, pipe. and they smoke great. So they're kind of an anomaly in the industry because. Uh, if you buy a Missouri Meerschaum pipe and you break it in and you smoke it, you know, reasonably regularly and break it in or mm-hmm. take the time to break it in, um, it will smoke better than any pipe you can buy until you get to about the sixty or seventy dollar range. Wow, that's like great. you literally can't buy a better, a better smoking, a better pipe inexpensive pipe yeah. without going into like a premium mm-hmm. product, you right. know. And it's uh, it's an amazing thing because there's tons of pipes out there at forty, fifty dollars, but they're not going to smoke as well as a Missouri Meerschaum, or they may smoke. Only as well as a Missouri Meerschaum, well. which is, uh, you know, under twenty dollars. So what I one of the things I asked him to do, uh, I talked to Austin about it, and uh, I asked him. I said, "Can you put together a couple packages for us, so that if you're really interested in smoking a pipe, I can, I can say, okay, if you come in here and you buy this pipe." Mm-hmm. And uh, and these accoutrements because you need a few accessories. You need a pipe tool and uh, and a couple other things if you're going to smoke a pipe, um, and even you know a lighter. But this way we can we can say hey you know if you spend this much you can get yourself into a nice corn cob pipe mm-hmm. uh, and tobacco and have everything you need to smoke. If you want to spend a little more, like say for instance the hundred dollar range, right? You know. Uh, you can get this. And I, what I asked him to put together a few of those things for us so that we can say, hey, you know, and if you really want to impress somebody, you know, here's, just buy anything that I says Dunhill or, um, you know. <laughs> uh, I, well, I tell you what's impressive, though, is the one you have with the really long stem. So <laughs> that's a hilarious pipe. Actually. It's, it's an ironic pipe is what yeah, it is. Okay. Because it's a Missouri Meerschaum pipe. But I, uh, I bought... Uh, there's a guy making it now. I'll have to look him up and everything, but it used to be called Forever Stems. And there's a guy that makes these stems out of vulcanite, like really nice, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. really nice pipe stem. Basically, the kind like if you have an old, you know, stem, uh, an old stem that doesn't work anymore from a really nice pipe, this is the stuff that they would make a new stem out of it for, you know? Like, yeah. And so I had him make a church warden version for a corn cob pipe. 
And the nice thing about it is that stem's going to last years and years and years. As a matter of fact, my corn cob pipe has lasted years and years and years. But uh, but if I ever burn it out, I just pop the end off, and for and put it on less than else, twenty yeah. bucks, I should put another corn yeah, cob yeah. pipe on the end because it's made for those corn cob pipes. Well, the most important part about it though is your ability to wield. Yeah, it when you as have a, a church pointer. warden, when you have a church warden stem, that's the really long one. You know, that's mm-hmm. uh, when you have that the ability to point and and look pontificus. Mm-hmm. I may have just made that word up. <laughs> I like pontificus. <laughs> <You know? laughs> we may have a beer and, called and, pontificus. <laughs> and introspective. Uh, while smoking a pipe, it, it, it actually is enhanced by the length of that pipe. We, we've been talking about doing a special smoking and toasting beer with one of our local breweries. I think it needs to be called Pontificus. Pontificus. I like it. <laughs> Pontificus Maximus. <laughs> um, so, and I have other pipes that, that are, like, when you look at them, they have a little more gravitas to them. They mm-hmm. have a little, more, you know, a little more seriousness or a little more uh, classiness to them and stuff like that. But... The fact that this is on a very long stem does offset the fact that it's a corn cob pipe, it does. and it's, it's ironic. Wonderful. And I think that's funny to begin with. Iron- irony can be uh, can be a wonderful thing. An irony. <laughs> All right, tell you what we're going to do. We're going to take a break. When we come back, I want to find out if you smoked anything interesting this week. I do have a cigar to tell you about, and we'll uh, break into our uh, emergency fridge for uh, beer tasting and see if we can't come up with something. I believe the no-label guys may have left some stuff behind. Uh, we, we got a taste. few of those. All right, so we'll get to that coming up. You've got Smoking and Toasting, show number 263. And, of course, we'll be talking about the best whiskeys of 2021 coming up. Welcome back. It's Smoking and Toasting. It's show number 263. We are all about craft beer, fine spirits, and hand-rolled cigars. And we uh, welcome you back uh, to the show. We're brought to you by a a very fine uh, group of people at MyCigarShirts.com. You can check out their uh, cigar shirts on the web. They are very cool, and you would love one under your holiday tree this year. Uh, oh, you'd love it even more like if you were wearing it, but you can do that after it shows up under your holiday tree. You know, every tree. time we come back from a, 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 to a new segment or even start the show, you list off just all kinds of things that I absolutely love. Which, oh, cigars and cigars crap beer and, 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 and spirits. And spirits yeah. And, yeah. Well, we'll get to all cool of that. Cool cigar shirts. We'll, and... we'll get to all of that. Do want to uh, mention a giant of the cigar industry who passed away last week. Uh, Julio Iroya's brother, Generoso, spent 70 years working in the tobacco business in just about every major tobacco producing country, from Cuba to the Dominican Republic. He passed away on Friday. He was 86 years old. Wow. He is the uncle of uh, cigar maker Christian Arroyo uh-huh. and the brother of Julio, who we got to sit down Justo, with yeah. uh, when we were uh, when we were there. It was yeah, it was Justo's just a, fantastic. Um, uh, we, we spoke with Julio too. Uh, yeah, yeah. Wow. We did a nice what a blast! What a yeah. nice, incredibly what, nice guy. Great group of uh, just a great family. Uh, you got the you got such a sense of how important family was as a part of their business. Yes, yes. You know, and it was it was a very cool. And they thing, were so. they had that they had that very much uh, the cohesive all in it together mm-hmm. feel overall. It was really really nice. Yeah. So anyway, uh, Generoso, you will be missed, and uh, fortunately your legacy will carry on because there's a lot more good cigar makers coming up in that family. And yeah, that man. So. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So uh, I assume you had an opportunity to smoke something interesting this week. Maybe you could tell us about it. It's funny you should ask. Yeah, well, I generally do. I did. <laughs> so I went out to my back patio today. Ah, the back patio store. The back patio. I have one that uh, I got a while back. I've been kind of saving it uh, just for, like, 
I just didn't have time today, and I had some other stuff I had to do while I was outside. So, um, so I sat on my back patio. And by the way, the weather. Oh, couldn't be better. I couldn't mean, be better. I put on some stretchy shorts and a random shirt and just sat out back. Um, and I, you know, okay. So I, I do want to preface this by saying it, it might have been me that cursed our cold weather. Yeah. Because um, it was chilly last weekend, mm-hmm. and uh, I went out and got. Um, one of those uh, uh, little tables that have the um, that have the uh, heating element in the middle of it and makes oh, fire, you know. Yeah. And I set it all up. And then it and it's warm. been balmy ever yeah, since. Well, uh, you know, I'm I'm not upset with you if you uh, if you impacted that because I like. But it uh, yeah, so I cursed it. I can't use it. Like it's set up and ready to go, <laughs> and I can't use it at all. But um, no, it's so pretty outside today, and so nice, and it's not uh, not not just soupy wet like it's right. been the last few days so it was really nice to sit out there and uh and i pulled out a protocol cigar protocol protocol this was apparently a company started by a couple of uh uh retired nyc police officers oh, protocol. so yeah. protocol and everything's very uh um uh, uh very themed mm-hmm. thusly police and cia and everything mm-hmm. else oh nice i don't know a whole lot else about the company uh but uh, this was a Toro 6x52, had an Ecuadorian Habano Oscuro wrapper. Uh, binder and filler were Nicaraguan. The appearance on this medium brown, it had two bands. It had a protocol band and then a smaller band that said the word protocol. And then a, a really nice uh, uh, silky-looking blue footer on it, mm. like uh, police blue, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, smooth with some veins, very firm feel overall. Nice-looking nice cigar, felt good in the hands. You know, like, you know sometimes you pick up a cigar and it just feels like a quality thing. Mm-hmm. That's It had that feel to yep, it. Yeah, totally understand what you're saying. The pre-light sniff on this chocolate and coffee all day long, earth with a little bit of barnyard going on, uh, hints of leather and fresh-cut lumber mm. is what I got off the nose. The pre-light draw on this, I used a clip. It had a medium draw to it. Not, uh, not a heavy draw, just medium and, and still within, like, this is a pleasant to draw on cigar sweet creamy coffee milk chocolate sweet and peppery on the lips nice. you know how like sometimes you'll uh, mm-hmm. you get that flavor on your lips you're like, mm, it's really nice the initial light on this sweet nicaraguan pepper blast sweet pepper yeah, huh? sweet pepper mm, blast that's interesting so it had the pepperiness like like, like you expect. But there was, there was, but there was sweetness, sweetness to yeah. it and it was big yes. so it was a sweet nicaraguan pepper blast um Descriptively sweet, not, uh, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, it's totally sweet, man. Uh, rich uh, cacao and coffee uh, coming through right at the beginning. A retro hail with cedar and mocha right on the initial light of this. Moving on to the first third of the cigar, as it settled in a little bit, I got a creamy sweetness and chocolate flavors interplaying with pepper and wood to create a dessert-like experience with enough spiciness to take it seriously. That was... Waxing on this I one. I like a bit, that. Yeah. yeah, I like that. That's, that's very poetic. Uh, coffee aftertaste lingers a long time. It was really, really nice. I enjoyed it. it. Had that just a little hint of that bitter coffee aftertaste. It was really nice. The retro hail was peppery, slightly sweet, solid ash, great burn. The second third of this pepper remains consistent. Coffee and chocolate flavors keep a strong vigil. Oh, I was waxing. Yes, it's <laughs> being poetic today. Yeah. Uh, coffee and chocolate flavors keep a strong vigil. Nuttiness makes an appearance and adds a delicious new dimension to the overall uh, palate. The wrapper leaves a nice lingering leather note on the lips. Uh, it was really nice because you know, like, like after you after you take a puff and you sit there and you just kind of taste 
the, the flavor on your lips really added to it as yeah, well. Nice, nice. Super nice. Uh, the Retro Hail is mocha and toast at this point. Uh, solid Ash Perfect Burn. The last third of this nuttiness takes over. I don't mean an attitude. I mean mostly a flavor. But it was either, nice. Either way. <laughs> nuttiness takes over. Sweet and toasty notes come up front. Uh, pepper remains consistent throughout. Leather, coffee, and mocha flavors swirl around playfully. Medium body all the way around. Uh, Retro hail is sweet cedar and toast with a touch of pepper. Solid ash, perfect burn. Um, this cigar comes in about $9.50, mm. which is not cheap. Yeah. It's a good size cigar, though. Six by fifty-two is a pretty good size cigar. Mm -hmm. uh, it smoked for well over an hour, good. Uh, hour and fifteen. Nice. Um, I give it a six. One hundred percent. I'll buy more. Right. Uh, so, I will so actually punched, actively seek out punched more. Punched above its price class. Yes. Then. Yes. Uh, oh. Very much so. If I'd paid a couple more dollars for this, I'd have been perfectly fine with it. That is so great. Without even batting an eye, uh, just for the quality of smoke. I, I had no idea. I, I'd, I'd seen the label before, I think, but I had never tried them. Do you and, remember where you bought it? Uh, well, so uh, a buddy of mine does cigar bids sometimes, and we split okay. boxes. So, so split it's one that he tossed in with a, a box split that I had with them. And he goes, here, nice. try this. I think they're really good. So, uh, Stan, you were right. Yeah, very nice. Really that's good a, cigar. I enjoyed it. That totally works. Now i got to go find more. <laughs> yeah, which might be difficult. I don't think I've seen it anywhere. That's why I was I, asking I think, where you bought it. So. I think they have. It's one of those. It's one. I think they have it at, Cas, have it at Casa, and I think they have um there's other places because uh, I've seen the label before. Okay, it's it's uh, like a really uh, uh, it's the letter P and it's it says protocol. Well, you can look at the picture if you protocol want. Protocol cigar, yeah. Protocol cigars, but yeah, it was really good. Very nice, very nice. Well, I had an interesting one uh, this week. I want to tell you about. I smoked the Saint Louis Ray Carinas. Oh, I haven't smoked the Saint Louis Ray in a long time. I actually. haven't either. You know, I used to smoke them a lot because they had some really they did some really good, relatively inexpensive smokes where you felt like you got a lot for what you were paying for them. You know? That is one of the most classic-looking cigars, the label and everything. Well, it really is. It, it looks like a Cuban, quite yeah, frankly. Yeah, it's when so you look classic looking. Yeah, and I like the one. I don't remember the name of the one, but I used to smoke one all the time that comes wrapped in tissue paper. Oh, you know yeah. the one I'm talking about? Yeah, I've seen that. Yeah, yeah that's that's always uh, that's always been a, a good and inexpensive smoke. So I picked up uh, one of the uh, Carinas, a uh, Busto, a very nice-looking light brown stick. It was rolled in Honduras using Honduran binder and filler beneath a wrapper from Nicaragua. Uh, so the pre-light gave a nice note of uh, cocoa, which surprised me a little, actually. I was, you know, expecting more of the leathery and, and peppery uh, notes, but I got a little cocoa on it. And then there was also a slightly acidic Barnyard note, and I know that sounds like it's not good, but 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 it is kind of is, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and then uh, there was also a hint of nuttiness, all of us on the pre light uh, <coughs> sniff and draw. I used a punch and I lit the cigar, and because of the Nicaraguan uh wrapper, I was expecting a uh, Nicaraguan pepper blast. I didn't get one, none, no, no, not at all. There was some pepper, but you wouldn't really call it a blast. Uh, uh wood, I'm gonna say probably hickory. Uh -huh. I'm pretty good at, at identifying. I, I at least know oak, hickory, and mesquite. I well, think. there are a few that you're just used to smelling because, mm -hmm. like, especially here in Texas, we use a lot of those woods for cooking. Yeah, and, especially and you mesquite. Can definitely mesquite tell is so the mesquite good for and the uh, hickory and uh, the cherry. Uh, yeah, when I was uh, away for the uh, Thanksgiving week, uh, I, I was staying at a place where they had a, a charcoal grill, and I went and got some mesquite chunks and, mm. and uh, made some steaks that were just phenomenal. Oh, yeah. Yeah, just phenomenal. Yeah. Uh, but in any case, uh, this, this 
struck me as hickory. That was the first and most dominant note, along with a, a nice helping of the chocolate that I got uh, from the pre-light sniff. Um, the draw was a little tight to begin with, but it got better as the cigar warmed up. The burn was a little crooked, creating a slight canoe once I was about. I see the first picture that you put in. up there. The burn's just a hair off. Yeah, yeah, and there was a little canoe. Right uh, so I decided not to touch it up for a while and see what happens. The flavors were kind of old school. Uh, reminding me a little bit of a Cuban, but more specifically, making me remember when I, you know, when I first started uh, learning about cigars. I smoked a lot of Monte Cristo and Romeo and Julieta, just mm. their classic brands, uh, and it reminded me a lot of those from when I first started enjoying cigars. By the second third, nuttiness had taken over as the main note, uh, along with the chocolate, a slight floral vibe, and burnt toast. And that's, again, that's a positive. That's, yeah, not, yeah, a, that's not a negative. Uh, uh, I did not touch up the canoe at first. And even with it continuing, the ash held on for a good inch or so. I finally tipped it off to keep it from falling on me. And after I did, I then used a single flame lighter to toast the part of the wrapper that did stop burning. Mm -hmm. uh, and it responded well, and the burn evened out a bit, although I will tell you, uh, it started canoeing again later on in the smoke, and you'll see that I think in some of the in some of the pictures. So, yeah, I was a little disappointed about that. It really did not burn nearly as well as a cigar like this should, in my opinion. Um, once I got into the final third, the strength ramped up a little bit. Uh, I got some creaminess to accent the wood and the. Um, uh, chocolate and the floral notes. There was uh, bread, cedar, and a slight saltiness on the retro hill, which was kind of nice. Um, I wound up thinking that the cigar did remind me a lot of a Cuban, although not a great Cuban. Gotcha. Uh, it made me think of a Cuban Fonseca that I smoked a long time ago. Interesting and somewhat complex, but not as rich as the better right. Cuban cigars that I've had. Uh, definitely had that old school vibe to it, though. That that much came through. And, you know, maybe it was just the look and the band, but my brain just kept thinking it, this is a very old school style cigar uh, the whole time. And just to clear up, for yeah. those of you who are totally convinced that Cubans make the best cigars in the world, you know what? They make great cigars. They also make bad cigars. Right. Don't forget Exa that. Exactly. And and there's some. Not that I'm saying the Fonseca was bad. Right. It just didn't stand up to some of the uh, uh, Cohibas and a few of the other things that I've had that were just outstanding uh, from Cuba. Overall, this was a good cigar. Not a great one, but it was enjoyable. I did I did enjoy smoking it. The Carinas Robusto is a seven to eight dollar cigar, and therein lies the rub for me, because yeah. at six dollars I would. Say totally worth it, but at seven or eight, I'm forced to start comparing it to a Bella Artez or an Oliva, mm -hmm. Hoyo uh, Black, and it just doesn't quite uh, compete. You know what I'm saying? So don't get me wrong, I enjoyed it, but I don't think I'll be buying a box of these anytime soon. If that that makes sense, uh, a guarded thumbs up. Price to quality four point five. Gotcha. Uh, it, I could have given it a five and not been for the uneven burn. That just that that could. That, that set me back a little. But, yeah. Uh, but yeah, in that price range, there's so many great Well, cigars. and that's a distractingly uneven burn. Yeah. and yeah. There, Right. And I did wind up tending it a lot towards the end. Right. And and that's why I don't mind touching up a cigar, but I don't want to be constantly having to touch I don't even think twice about it if there's just a little yeah. spot, you know. Yeah. And I just, you know, just kiss it with the and flame. Sometimes and sometimes along it. the vein, you know, it won't burn quite as evenly. You just touch it up and it goes on just yep. fine. But this one, uh, yeah, this one gave me this one gave me more problems than than I was expecting. But uh, but hey, life uh, life can be like that. You're so good at that, you know. 
I do have my you ever, best. I practice. You, have you considered a career in sound effects? I, well, I practice with beer cans a lot. Okay. To try and get that That's good like freshly cracked beer can so, uh, sound. Th- so thanks to the guys from No Label and the guys from St. Arnold, both uh, Houston area breweries, we do actually have some beers to sample today, uh, which is a uh, which is a good thing, you know, because <laughs> uh, uh, when uh, when Michael had to uh, unexpectedly uh, bail on us, and again, I want I want to stress he did. He, he, he has a very, very good reason for doing that. So it's not like this is not a yellow rose thing where he just, you know, left us high and dry. He was very apologetic, and I assured him that, you know, we'd, we'd reschedule him for January. And he even said, we'll see if he does this, he even said he was going to send over some beer as an apology. And I said, well, I, I, I never say no to beer. <laughs> it's so, hard to say yeah, no to that. <laughs> it really is. So, But in the meantime, the no-label guys left some things uh, behind when we had them here. And this is maybe one of the more interesting cans that I've seen because, you know, here in Houston, where the show originates, mm-hmm. uh, we have a number of suburbs that surround the city. One is Pasadena, or as we like to call it here, Stinkadina. Uh-huh. Uh, but Pasadena is the home to the legendary Gillies nightclub. Yep. And I say legendary because it was in that John Travolta movie. What was, what was the name of that That movie? was uh, Urban Cowboy. Urban Cowboy, yeah. thank you. And, uh, Sissy and so, Spacek and John Travolta yeah, and, and, and the guy with the net half shirt. Yep, yep. It was, it was, <laughs> it was, it was definitely 80s. It says on the can, Gillies uh, was a honky-tonk bar founded in 1971 by country music singer Mickey Gilly in Pasadena, Texas. It was a central location in the famous 1980 movie Urban Cowboy, and this refreshing beer embodies its spirit. Now, this is interesting because I don't think of... No label as a a, a, pl- a place that would be doing a, a beer that's celebrating a honky tonk. It just seems <laughs> they they just they seem more uh, suburban and and uh, and elite than that. And but, I don't mean that in a bad way. But they're still in Katy, which which that's until true. recently was just the country. Yeah, it, you're absolutely right. So <laughs> uh, so the, it'll be interesting to see uh, what this one is like. Have you had this beer before? I have. And, uh, and so, as a matter of fact, I think I've had every beer we're going to try today, but I don't think we've ever talked about these I beers. Don't, uh, I know we haven't talked about this one because it wasn't one of the ones that uh, that we had on the show when uh, when the guys were here from uh, from No Label. So, so you laugh about uh, uh, like the countryside of things. I actually played a gig just outside the Beltway. Yeah. So Houston has three loops now. Yeah. They have the the six ten loop, which surrounds the city, which mm-hmm. is enormous. Mm-hmm. Then they have the, oh, my God, I can't believe the size of that, Beltway 8. Right. <laughs> which goes around not only Houston but surrounding towns. And then we have just recently uh, 99 or the Grand, Grand Parkway. The Grand Parkway, which, Parkway, yep. <laughs> I mean, like you, you just go look at a map to, to even yeah, try to visualize scary, what's actually. going yeah. on there. <laughs> it really is. But anyway, just outside the Beltway, and I'm talking about like blocks from just outside the Beltway. Mm-hmm. On Old Highway 90 was this little bar. Uh, I'm blanking on the name of it, but I got a gig out there. Um, a friend of mine is a drummer, and he called me up. He goes, hey, man, I got a gig out here. You can mind coming to play it? I said, okay. So I pulled up to the front. It's got kind of a little roundabout in the front where you could pull up. And, uh, and I unloaded all my gear, and I got everything set up and ready to go. And I was like, oh, man, I got to go in my car. And as I'm walking, I just throw open the front door, and as I'm walking out to my car, which is my truck, which is right there, I feel like somebody's looking at me. And I turn around, and there's a horse right over my shoulder. A horse is looking at you. A horse tied to the post at the front of the bar. No kidding. I am Somebody not rode I their a picture horse of it to somewhere. the bar. I have to, I have to like, dig that picture Somebody up. Somebody rode their horse to the bar. Like, no lie. This is, uh, and it, you know what? It's not even that surprising. Uh, no, it really isn't. <laughs> now, it's not like, it, you know, it's not like uh, 
people here drive around with cars with you know steer horns on the front and stuff. I it's played not, all three kinds of music when yeah. I went in there. I played yeah. country and western and Stevie Ray Vaughan. Oh uh, well, because <laughs> because Texas, you can't you can't lose with that with that combo. So uh, what's your impression of the uh, Gillies beer from No Label? So first off, on the nose, it has such a gentle, malty, mm-hmm. wonderful, sweet smell that I instantly like this beer. Yeah, like just due to the smell. On the palate, it comes across as classic beer. Yes, that's a good way to say it. Classic like, beer. Like when, I, like when someone goes up to the bar and says, I'll have a beer. This is beer. This is what you pour them. This yeah. is straight up beer. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, and it's got great malty flavor, but it's also got a nice crispy finish. Uh, just enough hops to not make it uh, terribly bitter, but a little bit uh, yeah. but a little bit to finish it off and make it easy to drink. So you know, I think this is a pretty... Um, a pretty nice beer, to be honest you, with you. You know what it makes me think of? And and I don't dislike the beer I'm about to reference, but it, it just is what it is. If Lone Star was a little bit better, it would taste like this. I would go there. You know? Because like, Lone Star and, is and classic I'll, beer. I'll drink Lone Star when I don't have a, a better option. I'd much rather have it than a, a you know, a Butter or Miller, for example. Yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, it's it's one of those things that where we live, you often go out someplace and it's, you know, on a pretty decent special price oh that yeah night, you know you can get dollar yeah. loan stars and stuff you know two dollar loan yeah. stars yeah. at different nights and yeah. things like that exactly so uh, and steak a, night is a thing around here yes too, it is yeah and uh, <laughs> but but this if lone star were just a little bit more craft oriented uh, this might be what it would taste like that's that's what i get out of this beer i was i was corrected by the way on stark has corrected me uh urban cowboy was travolta and deborah winger not spacing mm, mm-hmm. i said sissy spacing because her name in the show is sissy and it just sissy stuck in my head john travolta and sissy spacing was carrie Ah, remember? Gotcha. Yeah, that was, and that was before John Travolta was uh, was even in Welcome Back, Cotter. I think maybe maybe I'm wrong Welcome about that. Welcome back. Yeah, yeah. That song got stuck ooh, in my ooh, head Mr. earlier. Cotter. This... And Scott Glenn. That's right. Scott Glenn was the uh, guy in the fishnet shirt. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, in any case, that was that was all the rage because the Urban Cowboy movie for John Travolta came after Saturday Night Fever, and we all know what a huge hit that was. Yeah, big. So he goes from doing the big disco dancing movie, uh, where, and by the way, John Travolta, I, I sometimes question his acting chops, but that man can dance. <laughs> yeah, no, like, no kidding. Like, he is, he is one of the, John Travolta and Patrick Swayze may be the best, like, male dancers of our generation. Well, you know the story, Hollywood. the story about, um, in the, uh, uh, what's, the, the the disco movie um you just said Saturday it. Night Fever Saturday Night Fever the story about that is he had this he worked so hard to get the dancing thing like nailed mm-hmm. and then they were trying to film it and everything he goes no no you just put one camera right there and that's how that happened he's just the that's one camera that yeah, that, wow, that one. <laughs> wow. well after he did that then he took on the country dancing uh, side of things right and did Urban Cowboy and you know he looks great in that and then there was that what, what was the uh, oh, the Tarantino movie. Uh, yeah. Oh, well, yeah. Uh, Pulp Fiction. Pulp Fiction. Yeah, of course, he had to dance in that. Yeah, but that was his probably his best acting was in that movie. <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, he's he's one of those. He's a little like Nicolas Cage. You can find good Nicolas Cage movies, but you do have to deal. I a love bit. that you said that because we had a whole Nicolas Cage conversation last. Oh week, yeah, I, 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 so I didn't catch that part of the show yet. <laughs> well, uh, you know, Nick Nicolas Cage is apparently. So I don't know any of the details, but apparently he's starring in a movie about himself. 
That's awesome. Yeah, which kind of like, is it kind of like a being John Malkovich yeah, I was thing? Just about to say, it's kind of like being John Malkovich, except it's uh, it's being Nick Cage, I guess. Uh, what a brilliantly anyway. bizarre movie that was. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. It was. It was really a great movie, though, wasn't it? <laughs> oh man. So in any case, uh, I recommend this beer. I like it. When you know, sometimes when you just want a beer, like you don't want anything too like fancy or or you want something a little more straightforward i would say this is a good good candidate for this that. is this is a step up from your lawnmower beer so to speak mm-hmm. a step up mm-hmm. from uh from your lone star or um even from yingling i think uh i like this better than yingling uh, yes. even from yingling which is fine and yingling's been going crazy around here since we just got it yeah yeah and, and it's a fine beer uh and uh, but this is like a step up from that in quality. And, but and in, in the way that Lone Star yeah. and Yingling are kind of just straightforward beers, yeah, that's kind of what this is. Very just much. maybe, maybe just a touch better. I like this. I, right. This this will be on my I'm, rotation. I'm for enjoying now. it. Yeah, this is one you would always want to have a couple of these in the fridge for when you're in that mood. You know what I mean? When you want something that's kind of simple and beer like. Yeah. yeah, simple and beer like. Like if you had this with a burger and fries. Yeah, that's perfect. Be fantastic. All right, we're going to take a break. We will be uh, back in just a moment. We have uh, lots more to taste, including a uh, really interesting looking rum called RL Seal's Finest Barbados Rum. Did we lose Mr. Twirligig? It looks like he's. Oh, no, he's, uh, he's working now. Okay, so we'll be back with that. Plus, I'll tell you about new cigars to watch for. And dang it, all this time I've been wanting to maybe like move to New Zealand and retire. And because I've just always thought New Zealand was so cool, uh, I'm scrapping those plans, and I'll tell you why. Uh, coming up, it's smoking and toasting, and we'll be right back. Mr. Twirly Gig is less twirly today. More just gig, I guess. <laughs> Welcome back. It's Smoking and Toasting, show number 263. We're all about craft beer, fine spirits, and hand-rolled cigars. You know, one of the cool things about uh, Smoking and Toasting, Ian, is that we've been doing this long enough that the show actually has a few groupies now. And sometimes during, uh, you know, during the time that we're doing the show, we have to, uh, during the segments, we have to open up the door and, and check and see if any groupies are, like, hanging out and just trying to, you know, worm their way onto the show. And we discovered that apparently Michael Duckworth is one of our groupies. He's he here. Was, he was hanging out there. now, And, and I was going to say, well, we can't just let a groupie on the show, but he brought beer. So that just oh uh, yeah he's that's in. the secret key that's the secret key that's right not so secret yeah yeah and I'm sure you know this Michael but um, you, you never want to be known as the guy that arrives late you always want to be known as the guy that brought beer right and and <laughs> much that's, better that's how we're going to look at you so so welcome you were our scheduled guest for today and we thought that we were not going to be able to uh, hang with you um, just uh, from some things going on I don't know how much you want to talk about it but uh, sure I mean you know we're open here so uh, we had a little bit of a scare this morning of uh, some. People People came back positive with COVID uh, from the at the, the brewery at the brewery in the okay. back of house. Okay. So uh, nothing kind of front end, but um, you know just protocol. We decided, hey, let's get everybody who was in the brewery yesterday and tested test up, yep. right? Um, so we did that this morning. We had to kind of wait some time there. Luckily, uh, most everybody came back clear, myself being one of them. So. Here I am, beer in hand, ready to, well, to you know, continue uh, the show. Yeah, we, I love your we, dedication. We, <laughs> that's right. right. That's right. <laughs> we were all set to reschedule you, but you know what we'll do? If you'll bring beer in January, we'll just have you back then, too. 100%. Okay, Let's do wonderful. It. <laughs> wonderful. So we, we had a few beers, as Ian was saying, in, in the fridge that we were that we were thinking of uh, uh, of doing as our tasters, but you have brought beer yourself, and I, I, I vote we get right to it. 
I'm down. Yeah, Easy we've already breezy. we've already missed a couple of segments. What are we doing so, first? Uh, so let's jump in. We're gonna jump into Little Joe too. So if you guys remember last time I was here, we did Scout, which was right. our Mexican style logger. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. and, uh, and it and was very good. Too. I Thank actually you enjoyed that. that one. Yeah, tremendously. we actually uh, we ended up coming away with the silver from Great American Beer Festival oh, well, for that congratulations. one. Congratulations! That's huge. Thank you very much. So I figure, hey, let's keep That's the good of, times just, rolling. Just to put that into perspective for uh, for people who aren't familiar with Great American Beer Fest, out of how many beers is that? Uh, there's about 10,000 beers that All are entered into the, uh, yeah, yes. <laughs> into the competition. You get silver out so of I that think, many uh, beers. You are really making I think there's about 2% of breweries that walk away with some kind of, of metal. Yeah, it, that's amazing. So. It, so it really is like making it to the Super Bowl for beer. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, oh, yeah. oh, wait, hang on. Oh, we got money out now. Well, I said Super Bowl, so I think I owe the NFL something. So uh, <laughs> they, they, can, they can come by and right. pick that up. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, and, BMI's and that coming after you. Yeah, next. yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, well, those guys <laughs> don't get me started. Uh, anyway, we uh, we are we are thrilled that you're here. That beer was fantastic. And is this one something so it's similar? Another lager. You know, we use that one as kind of a go-between uh, mm-hmm. for some of our, our other options that we're going to go through. So I thought just keeping that trend going. Let's bring in Little Joe too. This mm-hmm. is a uh, dry hopped American lager, so uh, it's uh, got a nice uh, just touch of hop character. Go ahead and open it up. Oh, there you go. Love He's it. So good at that. I know. You got to draw it out just a little bit. Right. You know? It's the drama really that. Makes See, like it. with a bottle, you can pop it open pretty quick, and then you drop you the, the pss- cap and you get the plink. Yeah. Which is the finish, but with a can, you have to you have to draw it out just a little bit. Yeah, you really do. That gets that uh, that escaping. Uh, Carbonation. Carbonation, thank you. I, I've noticed as I get older, I blank on words. They're words that I know, but they just don't, like, always come out, you know? Like, th- that can be very embarrassing, too. You, know? that, you have such a large vernacular that it's hard <laughs> to just down-select sometimes. Yeah, of the yeah. appropriate. I remember word. most I of those, uh, what do you call it? Uh, Pass one more along. Yes, 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 sir. Mm-hmm. Ah, that yeah, smells good already. Whatchamacallit? Yeah, that's no, good. Sure All right, so, get a little hoppiness so going this on. This is uh, an American lager, uh, DH, so it's dry hopped. Correct. Uh, and uh, and what kind of hops do you use in this? Uh, you know, I'm gonna have to get back to you on that with the rush okay. over here. It's I got a little to, floral. To look up a couple things. It's got yeah. a little floral to it, a little citrus so, and floral kind right, of thing. I believe going it's, on. A, it's an American hop. I want to say uh, maybe Strata off the top of my head could be Sabro, um, but I'm I'm not 100 percent on that. So I, I'll come yeah, back it, to you. It, Tastes like maybe Strata, yeah. Uh, I'm I'm getting a little bit better at identifying Ooh, hop nice. flavors. It's taken me a while. Uh, you know, we started with beer good and then went, you know, yeah. graduated from there. But uh, beer better now. Beer better. Yeah. <laughs> beer better. Uh, but but so. this is oh my goodness, this is just very drinkable, very uh, very refreshing. But the hops gives it a complexity that that keeps it from being. You know, we just had the the Gillies beer from No Label. We had in the in the last segment. We were talking about how good it was. But it, but it was extremely straightforward. Right. This has a little more nuance to it. A little bit it. more of a backbone, yeah. not quite mm-hmm. a single note. Mm-hmm. It's still a lager, very light. Uh, you know, it's uh, about 5.5%. So, you know, pretty sessionable. You're going to be able to enjoy this uh, throughout the day. But, it, you know, again, if you're looking for a little bit more character in your beer, um, that, you know, other than just getting the liquid in, mm-hmm. this is going to provide a, a little bit of more, more character so there. I, I wanted to mention that since we had you on the show last time, I have seen your beers cropping up everywhere in stores, and and just like you're getting good shelf space, you're getting good display. Part of it is your kind of genius of design of the cans; they really kind of they do stand, stand out. out. And Appreciate and it. when you have several of your different varieties together, you know it looks like a block. You know what I mean? You've right. got you've got this whole group of beers, but they really are uh, they you really are starting to show up at, at at retail. Has it been a good year for you guys? It has. You know, uh, twenty one was. Uh, 
you know, polarizing uh, from from 20 mm -hmm. uh, and even 19 going back. You know, we're only about three years old, so still pretty pretty young uh, company. And uh, you know, in 19 we had zero, uh, you know, shelf. Right. Presence. You were you were and all then, brewery uh, at that right. point. Right. Yeah. And then, you know, at the end of 20, uh, we started coming on. And then this last year, we've made a very large push towards that. So, um, you know, we're, we're really excited to continue partnering with a lot of our retail accounts. We're into a, a lot of HEBs now. Yeah, I've um, seen you in HEB. Yeah. Almost all the, the specs and total wines, at least in the, you know, greater Houston area inside the loop and a little and beyond. If, and if you're uh, from somewhere other than Houston, if you're in specs and total wine in this town, you're very, very well covered. But being in HEB, which is one of our cooler grocery store chains, right. is also a great thing, too, because sometimes people aren't making that extra stop at a spirits and beer right. store. They're they're in the grocery store picking up bread and milk and mayonnaise, and they're like, oh, hey, I should grab some of this Drew and right, right. That, That's our next yeah. level push. Yeah. you know. So we're yeah. into the, the big wine spirits uh, beer stores, and now we're getting into the more of the local groceries, that's Central awesome. Market, Whole Foods. Have you been able to get out things. and do uh, samples and those kind of things? Is that starting to happen now? We, we are. We are. It's, uh, you know, very touch and go. Yeah. Obviously, uh, you know, we've set up more than we've actually executed. Uh, right. You know, things happen, and then, you know, we sure. get asked to stand down, and that's all okay. You know, we're, we're pretty flexible with yeah, those yeah. types of events, but, you know, usually on the weekends, Friday, Saturday, maybe Sunday, we try to get out there, uh, at grocery stores at least, uh, yeah. liquor stores, obviously. Yeah, yeah. I, I got to think, though, if you're in a grocery store and you're sampling this and I come by, I'm taking some of this home with me. I mean, you know, it's Absolutely. it's it's got that instant this sort has, of, oh, yeah. This has a few things going on that I'm trying to nail down. First off, there's a soft bitterness to the finish, mm -hmm. and it's citrusy it's and a wonderful. little floral, and I really like the combination of that floral, like, like dandelion or sunflower kind See, of floral, that's, if that's that makes why sense. I, that's you know? why I was thinking yeah, no, strata. Um, and then uh, on top of that, it, it's it's a little more carbonated than I would expect, and it just dances around. It's really kind of pleasant. So I, I yep. often take I issue. Think that's about right. I often <laughs> take issue a, with beers really for being a little too carbonated, but I think in this case, it totally works with what you've got happening. Uh, Flavor-wise, I, uh, no, I find myself just enjoying the carbonation, kind of like like pop mm -hmm. rocks almost. Right, right. You know, like like just kind of enjoying the feel no, totally of it right, with right. the flavor. And, and Brings you, it up off the top. And you can see right. I took that one right down. <laughs> Let's fix right. that. Uh, but right. and and thank you. I don't want that, you to get drangry on the show. Uh, uh, <laughs> Drangry's a thing, man. Right. What I was really pointing out though is how drinkable <laughs> it is. That that we you know it didn't take me long to just go. Yeah, I have a little more, a little more. This has uh, you got the Doritos effect in full force here. You can't uh, just have one. That's right. Can you imagine how good going. this goes with Doritos? Oh, my God. Yeah. Let's start thinking <laughs> about that. Um, I wanted to ask you this, um, uh, Michael. Um, I, I chanced across something interesting. I was looking on uh, the Internet about um, – uh, I was just looking up some things about beer and uh, came across an article that was talking about what 2022 would be like. And there was an interesting uh, interview with a guy named Kevin Davey. He is the head brewer at Wayfinder Beer in Portland, Oregon. And I want to read you we, some we of We just what... assume that you know everybody from we every do. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's, he's your bet, I'm sure. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, but I want to read you what he said and see if you agree with this. Yes, sir. Uh, they're talking about what they expect for 2022. And he says, I believe that we'll see a lot more brand loyalty from customers. There's a lot of choice, and drinkers have been jumping around from brewery to brewery to find flavors and styles they like. And I think they're finding now there's too much choice in the marketplace. A little analysis be, paralysis. It can be mm -hmm. overwhelming. So I believe that customers are finding a producer that they like and are sticking with them kind of like it was in the old days. And he is 100% right about what the past few years have been like. I mean, people, you know, bounce from, you know— 
going and buying beer, if you're headed into your favorite place to shop for beer, has become less about picking up a six-pack or a 12-pack of your favorite and more about trying something new, right. seeing what's out that you haven't tried yet, and trying that. He's saying, though, he thinks it's going to return to more of a brand loyalty thing, and he says, and that means cleaner beer styles. Most people don't want something that most people want something that doesn't have a lot of BS in it, like fruit syrup or kibble or frosted flakes. What people do want at the end of the day is a beer that resembles beer and that has flavor. My advice, he says, to other brewers is stick with what you're good at and make it available to a lot of people. We don't need to all follow hype trends or what's popular for a minute. If we make what we're good at, people will come, and that includes seasonals that become part of a customer's custom and calendar. He sure. is not talking to ingenious brewery at all. No, not at all. Well, and, 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 and if you think about others. it, and, and, and you know, we've got friends out there and, and Spindle Tap and, and other places like that 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 are constantly, uh, you know, doing these experimental things. But what do you think about that? Do you think people will return to um, more of a brand loyal type of thing you know we uh funnily enough we we were talking a little bit about this yesterday uh in, inside the brewery and uh just about the, the amount of variety that's right. out there today which i think this kind of keys in on and and really the uh the kind of short-term uh life of those new varieties right. where you know i think for a while there people were really eager to try something new or you know new you know daiquiri stouts or pastry stouts or sours or different things mm -hmm. but the uh, the turnover around them has become a little exhausting and um, a little you know uh, um, I would say uh, less of less of an effort you know you know mm -hmm. wanting sure. to take yeah. less of an effort to make that happen especially when you try again and again to maybe get something exclusive or something you know is in limited quantity and you show up and it's not there and you know you get a little disappointment and then you you know so this whole chasing thing I think is kind of coming to a head. Mm -hmm. Where, you know, there's just so many varieties and options out there right now that it does become a little bit, like you said, analysis paralysis, a little inundating that eventually you do want to come back and say, you know what I really enjoy and what I need in the fridge? These guys. Yeah. But you have guys. a good have IPA a, or a good stout or, what you know, yeah. Right, right. And if you have a producer that you like, let's say you're into True Anomaly and you start to really enjoy your stuff. And we do uh, rotational loggers, right? So we're mm -hmm. not a big logger house, so we do more rotational. But, hey, you if you liked one and then you like another, say, you know what? I'm starting to like what they're doing. Right. I'll so try this I'm, new logger. I'm going to give a new logger, but yeah. still a logger. It's still in the family there. And, and I've, I've enjoyed the quality of it. You get out. an instant feedback due to your um, due to your uh, uh, tap room. Correct. Like, uh, how long does it take to find, okay, what your core line is going to be? And then that's going to change a little bit over time because people's tastes are going to change a little bit or things are going to be more popular. So you come up with how many, how many beers do you have on your core line right now? Uh, we have about a dozen beers in our core line. That's a right lot now. for a core line that, yeah, that, that and, is continuous. Especially for a brewery as young as you guys. Right, you and know? a lot of that is because we, we delve into some of these uh, Saisons and Belgians that you won't normally see. And, and, I you do know, love, I, whenever I go there, I always have to, uh, go, usually always have like two or three different Belgian uh, style beers mm -hmm. of different varieties, and I love right. doing that. We got the whole lineup, single, double, triple, quad right now. That's fabulous, right? And especially if you're yeah. if you're an enthusiast about that, you come in, and we try to keep that that going. So I count that as part of our core line. But quite honestly, you know, it's two or three times a year that we're able to cycle that through yeah. and get and get it built up. Have you have you guys come up with uh, uh, 
any particular beer that just always sells no matter what, and that's what you have to you have to have to make sure it's on tap. Yeah, so we have uh, a few different IPAs. Uh, you know, a West Coast, an American mm-hmm. IPA, a hazy. Uh, we do the one hazy. You know, we're not the trying to get so good. heavy into that yeah. market, but yeah. obviously it's there, and yeah. you know, it's a it's a predominant piece of the beer market. Yeah. So we want to have good representation. But uh, to to your question earlier, you know, we we tried to focus and down select what was the best qualities mm-hmm. of the hazies that we were going through. So. You know, really, it took about 12 to 18 months for us to use that tap room um, as that and test narrow environment it down. Yeah, yeah. to say, okay, you know, we've come out with, you know, a dozen different IPAs. Here's the three that have really stuck. You know, right. there's a West Coast, an American, and then that, and that hazy. And, and now we, you know, we have those. And, and obviously, when we get into the uh, more retail side that you were, you were saying that, you know, we're showing up more at, well, we got to ha- we, we gotta be uh, able to provide it when you they gotta, call you on. You got to fill the orders. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. So that, you know, it's it's um you play a good push and pull game there. And when we first opened up, we were very cognizant of not wanting to just immediately get into stores because we wanted to use the tap room to help refine both the quality of our beer and right. uh, the preferences of those in in the Houston area to help us, you know, what is selling? What is good? What yeah. what are people enjoying? You know, I was thinking about, you know, the really kind of more bizarre specialty beers like some of those smoothie sours and things like that that i really enjoy from time to time but i have a tendency if i'm buying those i have a tendency to be buying them in the mix packs you know where Mm -hmm. i'm where i'm you know like at the end of the aisle there at the specs beer thing or Mm -hmm. you can do it at heb where you make your own six i try i buy one of those and i may drink that beer and really enjoy it but i'm not probably going to buy a four-pack or a six-pack of that. And so that makes me think about the brewer. If people are buying onesies of a particular beer rather than buying, you know, like a four-pack like this or or, or a six-pack, you're not selling nearly as much beer oh, that way. It takes a long time to get through yeah. those barrels. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of places by the one. as well, though, when you go when you go to the tap room and, and, and get some of those crazy over-the-top breweries, you're going to do a shorter pour. You're going to do it in a tulip right. glass sure. and a shorter yeah, pour. Yeah. And, and I think that's... Oh yeah! See? Ooh, you're it. getting good at that. Yeah, um, and I think that's a great thing because not only I'm sure I'm sure there's some kind of stipulation to uh, because the ABV on some of those that you have to pour a shorter thing, but a lot of times when you get a, a 16 ounce can or something like that, that that's something you split with people, right? You yeah. know, and it's nice to sit down and experience, and you yeah. might try four or five different ones of those. I've got some bombers at the house that I will either wind up bringing onto the show here. Or I'll wait until maybe, you know, you come over and we'll open them up and drink them right. together because it's just not the type of thing where you go, well, it's a, uh, it's a Wednesday. I think I'll, uh, I think I'll open there, this. There are uh, certain bombers that I'll commit to, like, like yeah. real heavy. Like if uh, I open that, I'm fine with having the whole thing. Oh, uh, well, yeah. You're, you're, <laughs> like, I've got it's $5. Come on. But I've got a collection of Pumpkinator in the fridge right now <laughs> going back from 2013. But those oh, are the beer, you know, love you, it, love it. I've got a hard time committing to that myself, right? The whole box. And and Pumpkinator uh, itself, Pumpkinator needs a year to three years Mm -hmm. to be really, really good. After that, it gets questionable. But it can still be pretty good. So yeah, there's, I, you know what I need? Right. I need like in the wine industry. You don't see this as much in beer. Is like when is it peaking? Right. Mm-hmm. You know, hey, it's it's and peaking now. Let's. This is so the time. Let's Ian, go. You know, it. you know. Uh, several weeks ago, I brought in uh, for us to taste this year's uh, Anchor Christmas. Ale. Yes, yes. And it was really good. We really liked yeah. it. Uh, at the little store downstairs from me in my building at Phoenicia Market, uh, you know, they have a really nice beer selection mm-hmm. there, and I buy beer from them uh, quite often. Uh, they have that. 
but they only have it in that Magnum bottle, like oh, like wow. the big, you know, like the huge champagne mm-hmm. bottle. I, you know how much I want to buy that every time I, I do, see it? I do. I, every time I pass by, I go, should I? Like, like it, it just seems like it. But then I think about, man, unless I'm having a party. Right. Like, I got a fridge. You can keep it until next year if you want. Yeah. yeah. Uh, do you? Because it's so tall. I do. I got a whole, I got a whole full size extra. You fridge. know what? I got a special shelf shelf for. Sometimes magnets. I'll just take the shelves out and put kegs in there. It's you fine. Were, you were so <laughs> cool. No, no joke. All right. You were so cool to bring me this half box of Oliva uh, uh, special cigars for my holiday gift. I think I may know what I'm getting you for Christmas. <laughs> I think you may be. Yeah, Is it beer? Because I like a, beer. You may have a magnum yeah. in your future. <laughs> he uh, knows because you're gonna have to split it with him later. Uh, we got we got some funny <laughs> comments going on here too. Apparently we. Uh, we're monsters for killing Twirly Gig. I don't think we killed Twirly Gig. I think Twirly Gig needs an iron lung. Yeah. Um, that's really it. <laughs> Maybe he just needs help. We need to see if Twirly Gig is testing positive his, for anything. His, his internal <laughs> his internal batteries are not working right. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I so, think we I think we put too heavy a rum bottle. I think uh, Wiki Brian also mentioned uh, you know you want to be the guy that brought beer or tacos. Either one is mm-hmm. is uh, acceptable. Legend I like if you tacos. brought both. Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. Beer and oh, yeah. Absolute Dude. legend. Yeah. That's another level. <laughs> it totally is. All right, I'll tell you what we're going to do. we can take a break. We'll be right back. we got more beer to taste, thanks to uh, Michael Duckworth. We're excited about that. Plus, we have some rum to taste. And i got to tell you about these uh, whiskeys, the top whiskeys of 2021. The list is out. We'll get to it Ooh. coming up. Speaking of lists, by the way, Cigar Aficionado... Cigar of the Year uh, list coming out. Come out. Uh, you just. I think they start on January twelfth. So we'll look forward to those as well. We'll be right back. It's smoking and toasting. Awesome. Ah, what a fun day. Yeah. Well, thanks for coming in. Welcome back. It's Smoking and Toasting. We are so thrilled to be here at show number 263. Michael Duckworth, uh, after, uh, after, can- see, this is, this is how you do it, right? Michael Duckworth has to cancel uh, at the last minute because of an emergency, and then he winds up showing anyway. Are you familiar with the guys from uh, from uh, Yellow Rose Distilling? Because you could teach them a lesson or two. No, well, we, I, we just went and picked up some barrels from them this morning. Okay. So. All right. All right. Uh, I, will, I will pause the conversation there so we don't get it. Do, I'll say it. They do make really good whiskey. They just don't keep appointments very well. That's oh, all I'm that's saying. That's always disappointing. Uh, hey, uh, Ian, I'm so excited about this. I wanted to share this with you. Uh, and and I don't know how much this cost, so I don't know if this will be in my price range to get you one of these for uh, Christmas or not. All right. But Fuente Age Selection from the Arturo Fuente Cigar uh, yeah. Company, it's actually a partnership between Arturo Fuente and Prometheus. They have unveiled a 2021 collection of releases, which is expected to start shipping to stores almost immediately. And included in this collection is a series of ashtrays and humidors that are themed for Purple Rain. Okay. As in the Prince uh, movie. I love that. Purple Rain. Is that just the coolest thing ever? <laughs> uh, I mean, Purple Rain is my favorite movie that is just completely horribly acted. 
It's a terrible movie, and I, and but I it's a great movie. And at I, don't, the same I don't care. Time. I will still watch it anytime that it comes on. Dude, Morris because, Day in the Time. Oh, Morris Day is wonderful, and the music is That's, just is just fantastic. I mean, that was Prince at his absolute <laughs> creative zenith. I think. In, in my Jerome, opinion. I need my mirror. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my favorite scenes where Prince has the little puppet things. You don't need those girls. There's so there's so much in that it's, movie. It's kind of a bizarre movie. It really too, is. In a lot well, of ways. And, and see, so you tried it again with Graffiti Bridge, and it did not. Have, uh, you know, I never watched yeah, that. Yeah, well, you get, don't, you get one. Don't yeah, because yeah. Dude, don't don't watch Graffiti Bridge. Just watch didn't Purple Madonna Rain do again. one too? Yeah, but she hasn't had a good movie. That's the thing. <laughs> just like, like I didn't watch any of right, those either. She hasn't had one that was redeemable. See, Purple Rain, the acting was bad. The plot was virtually non-existent. And it was still an incredible movie. You know, uh, did it's not funny you say that. that because last week I was in my workshop and I was like, I need to go find a classic album. Yeah. And Purple Rain was yeah. it. Speaking of classic albums, <laughs> yeah. when I was uh, gone last week, I was uh, attending a wedding. My best friend's son got married. The wedding took place in Austin. I rented, uh, my wife and I rented an Airbnb, and we were thrilled when we showed up to see that it had a turntable and a collection of albums. Do you know nice. how good the Revolution album by the Beatles is? Oh, I bet. It's freaking bet amazing. It's and, and I haven't listened to it but here's as the thing an too. album in forever. Oh, here's, okay. Not only is it a good album, but listening to it on vinyl. Oh, oh it was wonderful. There's something wonderful. about it. Wonderful. I, Always. It just it made me think, why, am I not, why do I not listen to this like yeah. more often? We know? have one at the brewery. Oh, you have a turntable and, and vinyl? That's right. great. I just brought it from home. I got about uh, 40 uh, records love, there and I just let everybody in. I had a, I had a record collection like. for a long time. I toted those things around for years. Yes, I did uh, too. Stacks of them. And, uh, and finally, at one point in time, I had a buddy of mine that was getting into albums, and I just gave him the whole collection. I was like... Because I have too many, I have to like pick and choose my yeah. hobbies because I already have too many other well, things going right. on. It's yeah. one of the reasons they always I got confused with the laser discs. You know, <laughs> it is. it's it's one of the reasons I love. Then they get all scratched. Having up cigars the as a hobby because you know what happens, you burn them and then they're gone. Oh, like, true. They don't just you know pile up. You if, can't if, have your if, cigar and smoke it too. If they do, you're not smoking enough. So, yeah. but yes, uh, purple rain humidors and ashtrays. I at least want an ashtray. Mm. Even if I can't afford the humidor, I want an ashtray. I bet they're expensive. Yeah. Uh, right. uh, the article I uh, found on Half Wheel does not give the price. So because we'll they're to, too uh, expensive. We'll right. just, if you uh, have yeah. to ask. If you have yes. to ask. Exactly. <laughs> you have to ask, you can't afford it, right? Nailed it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, all right, let's do some more beer since absolutely. you have been so Sna- kind as to bring... Let's this guy over uh, here. This is the small giant. I can't believe it you're is. making me do this. Uh, yeah. This I know. Is, uh, he comes on the show and we just drink more. What is that about? Yeah, exactly. So uh, I'm going to do my so, best. So explain to me as you're opening this, what exactly... He's taking my job. What, oh, he's getting okay. really, he's good, at really good at this. He's popping getting a beer really thing. good at this. What exactly is a petite saison? So petite saison is another turn of phrase for a grisette. And uh, the reason we well, said that's, that's yeah, yeah. Okay. Did that clarify, did that that clarify right it up. for you? Cleared that <laughs> right up. Thank Good. you. I'm glad, I'm glad we uh, shored that one up. Uh, <laughs> otherwise nice. known as a little saison. So, uh, so it's the uh, the tradition here is that it is the miner's version of the the farmer saison. So a saison okay. was traditionally brewed uh, a seasonal beer like for, a farm for, side for the beer, farm, right? farm side beer, right? Okay, so you'd, right. you'd be working in the field, you'd come off for a break, and you'd have this beer. So that's a saison. Uh, this was made for the miners during the Industrial Revolution, so it's a little lighter. It's about 4.5% alcohol. So when they come out of the mine, this They is come out of the mines, you need, you need the same level of refreshment, but just a little bit lighter because you're sweating a little bit more out there. You need a little lower alcohol content. Okay, got it, got it. So... 
so as long as the uh, canary is still alive and you make it out of the mine, <laughs> right. you get to enjoy you some the, petite saison. Correct. Yeah, the you get grisette. to go back in. Yeah, so yeah. if you pass out, it's nothing, because you might have just had too many uh, grisettes. <laughs> I call that time travel. Yeah, right. <laughs> so, uh, so this beer should represent uh, exactly kind of how it is, a, a very light character saison. So if you like a, a French saison style, it's going to have a nice little peppery spice bite uh, linger at the, the end. Uh, nice uh, kind of floral at the front. And, um, again, uh, a long finish that builds up mm-hmm. a little bit. So, again, 4.5%, light in character, very uh, crushable or sessionable on the patio. Uh, this is something that was... It's, um, a, it's a light... Like almost banana-ish kind mm-hmm. of nose to it. it definitely as well. a banana on the on the palate too when you take that first. Yeah. Drink. So this is a the yeast itself is a mix between a Belgian and French yeast style. So you're gonna get a little bit of Belgian character in there, and that's where you get a little banana clove. This is so and, uh, soft and lacy. It really is, and it's got um, it's got such a, a a wonderful funk to it. I mean, you really you really have done the funk. Uh, very well. Appreciate it. Yeah. Can we you, define the funk? What what creates the funk in a saison? And it's it's the yeast. Is is it's that what it is? The yeast. Yeah, because it's it's a very specific funk, and it's a mm-hmm. good thing. Mm-hmm. It is. Yeah, and that's why we use saison as a backbone for a lot of our mixed fermentation, Brett type style beers that go into wood aging because it lends itself to those characteristics. You get more of that. This one, I'd say, like is a light hay. You know, very light and easy. Where if you really start extenuating or you know uh, um, putting those uh, the yeast through extenuating circumstances in the barrel, where it's just sipping on the oxygen a little bit, mm-hmm. that's where it develops more of those super funky characteristics. A, a uh, you know horse blanket, a uh, real barnyard mm-hmm. uh, Ford. Horse blanket doesn't sound like a good thing, but it is. It no, is. It's, so, it's, uh, yeah, yeah, and and you know here at uh, here at smoking and toasting, we do have a saying, and that is that we want the funk. Yep, gotta have that funk. Gotta have that funk. Yeah, uh, so so it, it totally it totally works. Is I'm going in for more. Is uh, a Very saison light. is this a more difficult beer to brew than say a, a lager or an ale? It is honestly. Um, so the the uh, it's more of the back end shelf life, uh, especially for mechanning uh, uh, purpose. So uh, mm-hmm. diastaticus is the term we use for a yeast that continues fermenting, right? Thank you for continuing to clear things up and, and, uh, and yeah, you not, know, not uh, confused. Not be, not be too technical, but what is that word again? <laughs> diastaticus. So, diastaticus. Uh, that, maybe that's what our beer should be called. So uh, We're going to go with, what was it? Uh, uh, Prometheus? Uh, pon- pontificus. 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 Yeah. pontificus. That's what we, the pontificator. We, so I'll, I'll, just, I'll just put you on the spot now. We want to do a smoking and toasting beer with you, like okay. a limited release, and we want to call it Pontificus. Can we do that? I think we can figure it out. Okay, yeah. good. We'll talk We'll talk later. But, uh, yeah, yeah th- that, that would be so much fun. Is there a base fun. style that you're going for there? You know, uh, what do you— what Some barrel-aged? What does a pontificus sound like to you? Would it be a barrel-aged something? I think so. Uh, yeah, barrel-aged and probably wee heavy or, or porter. So yeah, if yeah it's, like a single barrel— Nice. Uh, if it's called pontificus, because you can't you can't pontificate over an IPA. That's just the well, wrong move. Well, that, That's like trying to play blues in a mall. The all, lighting's wrong. Everything's, everything's going to be a wreck. Drink, all that means is you're not drinking the right IPA. But, <laughs> but, but I'll, I'll, I'll go with you on this, though, sure, yeah, yeah. because this would be a beer. If it's called pontificus, it would be a beer that you would want to. Right. And then pontificate. Right, right, right. A little higher ABV, a little higher heat, something that does well when it warms up. Right. Right, because you do. You want to, like, let it open up and breathe a little bit, not so dissimilar. I like pontificus. This is yeah. a great idea. All right. Yeah. We'll Sounds explore good. this. But you were saying this is a more difficult beer A pontificus beer porter. Oh, I, yeah, like, a, I like that. I believe uh, at one time I actually uh, brewed a beer and called it that 
years ago. Pontificus? It might be written on the side of one of my corny kegs there. <laughs> he just never cleaned it. <laughs> I've never cleaned it. Well, it's the outside of it, right? Yeah, yeah, well. Who cleans that? Uh, I I like Ian's uh, um, I like Ian's motto about when he does home brewing. It's like uh, you know, we're gonna open up these beers and we're gonna drink them. And uh, if the beer is good, oh yeah yeah. So if you brew good beer, you're gonna drink them and get drunk. If you don't brew good beer, you're gonna get drunk. <laughs> That's how it works. That's how it works. Uh, but seriously, uh, these saisons are 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 more difficult to brew. Than uh, than a typical ale or lager. Yeah. The the yeast itself is a little more tepid. It's a, right? it's tricky, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, it's a little more tricky. Well, this you, has you such guys a nailed it with this beautifully delicate that. flavor, and then just a little bit of that pepper spice kind of thing going right, on. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Really, I would say uh, this is our our brewer's beer. So uh, generally speaking, the, the you know, again we have this out on the shelves. It's a, it, it doesn't move on, you know clearly uh, as quickly as the loggers and the IPAs, sure, right? Yeah. But, you know, the, the people that are a little bit more into beer, and especially when we go to a festival or, or if we're at a event with other brewers where, you know, everybody's kind of, you know, trading their their wares and their goods, we very often get other brewers to show up and say, hey, you have any of that small giant? Yeah. Let me, let me, yeah, I'll, I'll give <laughs> yeah. you one of these uh, well, guys for one of those. Yeah, I, I got to tell you, I grew up in, in a farming community. And I never discovered this when like, I was there. This, this has such a specific set of flavors that, like, I'm trying to think of foods that would pair with it. And and the two things that pop into my brain, and this is so bizarre, are cheesecake, like a good classic cheesecake, mm -hmm. or yeah. calamari. I was going to say fish. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Seafood. like, very, it's very light, very white whiny, right? Mm -hmm. And it does right. have a little well, bit of a Okay, so white whiny, that, that, right? that, kind of, that kind of nails a little, because it has a little dryness to the finish, right. too. Right, yeah, very dry. So the, this one and the contact light we'll try next. Dry finish uh, and it, a little bit of gooseberry in this guy. When I was a kid, I, I grew up, like I said, I grew up in a farming community. In fact, I would work summers irrigating peanuts. We called it moving pipe, but you would, okay. you would move one line of the uh, of the sprinkler pipes over so they would water the next uh, set of, of peanuts. And it was hard work, and it was muddy, and it was gross. But if I'd been able to come back to the farmer's house and enjoy some of this, right. that would have changed my whole perspective on moving pipe. Right, getting uh, back out there. Wiki Brian's idea is that we make a doppelbock and call it pontificator. Mm. Mm. That's not bad. So, uh, uh, just to FYI, uh, I talked to my brother-in-law the other day. He's coming in from Pennsylvania for the uh, holidays. He's going to bring some uh, Weyerbacher with him. Oh, very nice. Have you had Weyerbacher? I have not. I mean, obviously, I <laughs> hear about it, but I don't. I but the Mary Monks it is brilliant. Yeah. Mary Monks. Yep. The uh, if he can get some blithering idiot or the uh, quad ale, those come in. We had this uh, when I was visiting them. A few years back, we were down in the basement, uh, hanging out, having a having a couple beers, and uh, my sister comes down and she's looking at. Us, she goes, "Oh, you guys look like you've been getting into your beers." I was like, I, "Actually, this is my third beer." And she looks over at the bottles on the table. And she counts and she's like, "Oh, huh." She walks off. Of course, the beers we're drinking are like thirteen five. Exactly. We were a little tipsy, but that was—I think—that was the quad or the, uh, yeah. the, uh, the. I don't know. Yeah, they, they got some great beers, but that's they're a, Mary that's Monks a quint almost at that point. Yeah, they're wow. they're Mary Monks is such a ridiculously good Belgian style ale that 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 you can get just anywhere up there. It's it's pretty unbelievable. You know, I I don't know how this is gonna go. With the uh, small giant, but I think we should tra tap into the rum here at this point. 
We've got a uh, we've got a mm. bottle that we brought of RL Seals finest Barbados rum. Look, Cruz, I don't know how to say bottle. this, but uh, Worcestershire, 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 Worcestershire. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I just wanted to say that joke. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know the uh, the the truth is, <clears throat> pronunciations are a difficult thing. I lived in Massachusetts for uh, for seven years, right? In Massachusetts, in the greater Boston area, there's a town, a kind of a, a blue collar town. Uh, a little ways away from it called uh, Worcester. It's spelled like Worcester, like mm-hmm. W-O-R-C-H-E-S-T-E-R, right? But it's pronounced Worcester. And then in Boston, there's a neighborhood that is very similar, except it starts with a D, but they pronounce it Dorchester, not Duster. Like, mm. So you never know uh, when it comes to Worcestershire or, or whatever That's you never know how the pronunciation so, so here is in Texas right we have the same similar where you yep. it's the the Texas quiz you know you have yep. all the words up there and mm-hmm. can you say Nacogdoches Kirkendall. Or, or Bear Kirkendall, County, yeah. right? Looks right. like Bexar. Bexar, yeah. <laughs> that, no, that's that's a that's a good point. And Kirkendall is one of the best. Uh, and, Kirkendall. Uh, I Kirkendall. think I think Siri still calls it Kaikendall Road, <laughs> uh, but that's you know that's going to happen. Uh, although I have noticed, by the way, that on that mapping stuff, they're getting better and better. About getting mm-hmm. the pronunciations right, mm-hmm. I guess over time they're they're correcting. I themselves. have a nice Australian lady that tells me what's going oh, on. Oh, see, I like. And I that. feel like the accent just kind of you know if it does come off incorrect, it's like ah, well she doesn't know better. Right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she's not from around here. All right, since you brought up Australia, I, I got to share this story. For a big part of my life, one of my favorite uh, musical artists in the world is the band Crowded House and Neil Finn, who's the. Uh, uh, I thought you were going to say Falco, but go ahead. Yeah, well, uh, <laughs> rock me. I'm I mean, guess. he's from Australia, yeah, right? Uh, no, he's from Austria. Oh, Austria! There we go. That's so different. Close. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, but Crowded House is from New Zealand, and so because I've always loved uh, Neil Finn's songwriting and I've, I've uh, followed them for a while, I've you know I've read some articles about New Zealand, and it just seems like the coolest place, right? I'm thinking this would be a place to go and, and retire. Like most people are just hanging out, you know, raising sheep and goats, like. It's very, it's very chill. It's not. They don't get caught up in a lot of crazy political stuff like we do here. But I have officially decided I am not moving to New Zealand because they are looking to create a lifetime ban oh, on yeah. tobacco. A lifetime ban. Like they're they're going to tell you you it's going to be just like California. You can smoke anywhere you want to as long as it's not inside. Or outside, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and I'm telling you, like this, I don't know what what is this about? Yeah, that came you out know? about a week ago. I remember that it made some headlines. I, yeah. I don't even know what to say about that. Yeah, uh, it, the country's Ministry of Health announced the smoke-free 2025 action plan aimed at completely eliminating the sale of tobacco products, especially those that are smoked, which inherently, of course, would include cigars. The plan doesn't take immediate effect and won't directly affect those who are currently old enough to produce tobacco but still the concept yeah come on that's crazy yeah, yeah. So, self-rolling anyway, that's anyway, where so, we're gonna get to so, back in australia so neil finn if you're listening you're just gonna have to come here i'll bring cigars we'll smoke we'll talk music it'll be wonderful so all right uh rum from barbados uh, right before we get into rum uh blake Mentions uh, Worcestershire is how he says it's pronounced Worcestershire. Wow, that doesn't seem right. There's a there's a video and and if you're listening to this, you definitely need to look it up. It's called How It's Really Made. Yeah, and it's all about Worcestershire sauce. Yeah, and uh, and it actually uses the actual video from a documentary on Worcestershire sauce, but the the uh, voiceover is brilliant. Okay, and you must watch it. (laughs) By the way, speaking of um, how it's made. 
There is a great documentary series. I'm way off track here, but let me let me share this anyway. There's a great documentary series on the History Channel. You can stream it if you got uh, if you got Hulu, and it's about the foods that shaped America, and it's amazing. It's about like Post and Kellogg's cereal and Hershey's chocolate and how these guys were basically titans of industry in their yeah. day, and how so much of what they did. You know, shaped the American landscape as we came to know it. Fascinating. My wife told me about it, and I was like, "Oh, okay, I'll watch it with you." And I was, I was glued to it. It was amazing. Yeah. Uh, and it's like a four-episode uh, docu series, I think, and definitely, definitely worth watching. I love, I love the the history yeah. behind it. Yeah. And the companies too definitely. that came behind and it's it. It's really well done because they have actors that kind of reenact the, you know, the the brothers from uh, the Kellogg mm-hmm. uh, brothers. One of them, like, and there's all kinds of scandal and crazy stuff that went on. It's really, really interesting. So, yeah, anyway, not, not to plug another podcast, but if you ever listen to Business Wars, oh, it, Business uh, Wars is a good, it's a good similar podcast. concept. To that one. It takes, yeah. uh, you know, again, just looking at the history of uh, whether it's Budweiser and Coors, and, right, and right. just through the, the history of you know, how they get from other. 1800 to 2000. How that evolved, and you know the different tax they took to get ahead in the game. Yeah. Speaking we're, of we're foods that shaped America, Bruce uh, comments: donuts pretty much shaped him. <laughs> I understand, <laughs> and I, I, I relate to that shape. I do. I absolutely. Uh, do. This rum is delicious. Okay, so and a this little is, hot. The, it yeah. is a little hot, isn't it? What's the ABV here? Forty-six hmm. percent. So it's got a little lean to it, the right it on the, burns uh, the a bottle. Little, uh, it burns, and when I say burn, I, I mean that in a good way. But it's got a little more heat going down. This, than this I would bottle is like its own before and after picture. See, <laughs> this is before drinking the rum. This is after drinking oh, the rum. Okay, yeah, gotcha. <laughs> it really is delicious. Get a little bit of a lean to you know, it. You know what I like about it? It 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 drinks like one of those higher. ABV rums, some of which we had, like the Foursquare and some of the other ones that we've had. But what it does have that those don't have is it still got that caramel and molasses. It's, it's very vibe sweet, to yes, it. yeah. very, but in kind of a good way—not sickly sweet, but sweet, right? Sweet yeah. in just in just a palate teasing sort of way, nice. yeah. Buttery, but, but a yeah, lot of times, I go with that. a lot of times though, when you go to those higher ABV rums. Uh, that drink more like a whiskey, you do lose that that sense of uh, of of the molasses and and mm-hmm. and and some of that uh, barrel aging flavor. Uh, and in this case, you don't, which I, I really like this. So R.L. Seals finest Barbados rum, forty six percent. I will admit we were, we've been talking about marketing. I will admit the reason that I bought that. It caught my eye because of the wacky the, shape. The, the wacky shape of the bottle is pretty cool. Yeah. Where'd, you, where'd you find this, Chris? This was at Specs. Okay. And on the back a, of here, it says forty-four dollars okay. for the bottle. It says, uh, according to the Surgeon General, women should not drink alcoholic beverages during pregnancy because of the risk. Of... Wait, this is the same thing it says on your beer. Well, always. 100%. You guys are stealing labels. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Who came up? Who it's came the up best with that? line, you know. Who everybody uses. Yeah. <laughs> who came up with that first? Uh, no, uh, but truly, really, it actually doesn't say much about the rum. No, on it the doesn't bottle. say much at all. But it's a really nice uh, a little emblem Finest on the front. Barbados rum. And, it, and, it did and the bottle is quirky cool. And let me just say this. I'm, I'm, I'm bummed to announce this, but I've been shopping rum and tequila, and it's all getting more expensive. It is. Which yep. is kind of like 
Man, there used to be a day. I talk about this with uh, with my favorite tequila. Marshmallow. It has a little marshmallow aftertaste to it. Sorry, yeah. that just popped into my head. Yeah, no, and, and you're right. It's there. It's it's got that creamy sort like of like in the in the um, in the uh, retro hail. It's just it's like this little sweetness. But I always say this about my favorite uh, tequila, which is the uh, uh, Reserva de la Familia from Jose mm-hmm. Cuervo, which is the only Cuervo product I really like. But it is fantastic. It's my absolute favorite. And every time I buy a bottle, it's ten dollars more. Ten dollars more. Yeah. yeah, mescal yeah. too. Oh, you just yeah. gotta buy. It, it, it came oh. on to the prime. Like, oh, yeah. We're gonna yeah. be more expensive right. than tequila. Yeah, well, you could, but in the early days, you could get a decent bottle of mezcal for like eighteen dollars. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and it's not like that anymore. So we are definitely seeing. Uh, what about beer? We're hearing about uh, supply chain shortages and things like that are going to drive the cost of beer a little higher. Hundred percent. Do you think that's happening? Yeah, and we've talked about it internally as well. Uh, you know, it's a bit of a double-edged sword for us mm-hmm. as a craft brewery because at the end of the day, we're we're probably more likely or, or in a better position to absorb some of those costs. Mm-hmm. Whereas, let's say, uh, our big beer competitors or the people that are coming in and, you know, looking at this on the, the you know, shelf for $10 for a four-pack versus, you know, a six-pack of some Bud product or bigger beer product mm-hmm. uh, for, you know, substantially less. But they're going to get pinched from what I understand, a little bit more. So they're they're, pri- they're fighting the price they're, war a they're little fighting harder Because their are, margins right? are a little less, right? right so they're right. going to have to probably a little quicker elevate right and Mm -hmm. that's going to help bring the disparity a little closer so there are maybe more opportunities maybe i'm just doing hopeful thinking here the macro companies also really worry about their perceived uh their perceived value yeah Yeah. and and that's so they can't put their beers too low or people think it's cheap beer that's that's a huge thing for them so but they can't put it at ten dollars per four or six right, pack either because then, you're then they pay, just won't buy it. Yeah, right. gonna you're going to pay that for a I mean, You're going to start shopping around so a little bit. It's more. funny that that's that's a funny spot that that craft mm-hmm. brew has put the macro brew right. in, and they can't right. get out of. So it. we're not too upset about that. But that being said, there's going to be price pressures all the way around. Yeah. So while we are, are able to absorb maybe a little bit better than the macros, maybe that'll help push the disparity down. Nonetheless, we've had internal discussions about how it's affecting us as well and how that might translate into the tap room or the shelf. I, yeah. You know, I don't yeah. know. In my mind, like, I just expect to spend 10 or $11 for a six-pack of a, of a good beer, and I expect to spend 14 to 16 for some kind of, like, four-pack of something ridiculous, you right. know? Like that's that. just that's kind of where my brain is when I go shopping for beer. Michael right. uh, Duckworth is our guest from True Anomaly Brewing. Michael, that's you guys, awesome. you guys, um, uh, obviously are you know very very close to where I live. Actually, uh, which oh is, no, yeah, yeah, which if you're is over awesome. Phoenicia, right? yeah, 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 which is awesome. But uh, you guys, um, we also t- have talked about in recent weeks that the changes in policies from some of the can manufacturers mm-hmm. are uh, impacting craft beer in that the um, the minimum order has gone way up. Apparently. Right, right. You went from so, one truckload to five truckloads right. of and, minimum and that order. Means, that means holding and storing a lot more cans. Right. But with you guys, because you do this thing where you've got the basic silver can, but you put your very colorful and decorative label on it, does, does that... Is that going to become what everybody does at this point because of this can situation? Right. There will be a lot of uh, middle market players that are going to come back into the realm of kind of the emergent uh, companies like ourselves, right? Mm -hmm. So we're not in a position where I can even buy the by the truckload. I mean, that would, you know, we're in an 8,000 square foot facility that also has a tap room. Five truckloads of uh, of cans. Unless I have a container outside, you know, that's just not, it's it's not feasible for us. So that's why we're at where we're at. Uh, But let's say uh, for, 
the uh, Eurekas of the world mm-hmm. uh, that um, the, the brewery Eureka for those that yeah, are unfamiliar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, they, uh, you know, they they have the opportunity to do printed cans that you know come uh, by the truckload and have ability to store those. Where that now can they can they store five truckloads of let's say how many core brands do you have? Right, can you, you know, store five truckloads of all your core of, brands? Of six different, eight yeah, different brands? Tough, Probably tough, not. Huh? You know, so yeah. they're going to end up. Yeah, I think you know getting over to our level or you know having to reintroduce some different methodologies into their production I process. kind of foresee uh, a couple things happening. First off, breweries in general are so supportive of each other mm-hmm. that I kind of see, uh, and you well, can tell me if I'm completely wrong, I kind of see people splitting those maybe working big together, orders. Yeah. And then um, and then on top of that, uh, the printed label like this, like this doesn't turn me off at all. Like there's nothing about Especially not when a it's stick on nice label like this that bothers me. Thank you. And I understand, like, even from the brewery perspective, that that allows you to just, you know, I mean, it's got to cost a lot less to print up some labels. A hundred percent. Obviously, the uh, the the overall cost is is well less. The the cost per can is higher, right? Yeah. So the margin per can is is getting eaten away. You start playing away. with the uh... right, but at the end of the day, again, we have they have, we have the restrictions we have, right? Yeah. So we've talked about it the even during the pandemic when. There were some of the uh, can shortages at that mm-hmm. time. You remember that the guys at No Label got some cans from Eighth Wonder yeah. and just put their their label over the. Oh, yeah, and they were yeah. printed cans that they just yeah. put label yeah. over. Yeah. That was yeah. pretty and funny. It, totally, it totally worked. I, uh, I think I think that that's one of the best things about um, this happens in the cigar industry. This happens in the uh, drink industry and uh, in, in, in spirits and, and craft beer and stuff. That everyone works together and really like if they mm-hmm. see someone else needing something it seems like they're like some of the first ones to reach out and do that it's it's pretty amazing i, I think, think the craft industry at large i mean whether it's donuts or kombucha or or beer you know right. it's, it's one of those rising tide lifts all ships you know we we want you to be successful because then more people are into this right. product everybody's you know we want your product out there and we're not as much in direct competition as we are more with the macros. Well, There's more it, opportunity to get converts right, from the right, macros than there are to get. Because most, and like, you know, the article was saying earlier where maybe people's, you know, preferences are getting narrowed down a little bit more to a specific product. But when they go out, you know, we're still bar hopping. We're still yeah, oh yeah, brewery right. hopping. We're still, mm-hmm. you know. and You guys are in such a great spot, too, to where you're in an area where you can just, like, I know a lot of cities have this built in, but Houston doesn't have a ton of this. But you're in a great area where you can just, find a spot to park and pay way too much for it and then you can wander around and hit a bunch of different places in that mm-hmm. area yeah mm-hmm. yeah and, very cool and and a lot of those places are cooperative like if, if you're at your place you can just get a pizza from next door and 100 uh, by the way it's good pizza uh, vinnie's vinnie's uh, is yeah, great vinnie's we got eighth wonder awesome, across yeah. there so you can go eighth hit them. they have a distillery now right? and eighth, yeah there. eighth wonder has a brewery and a distillery then there's uh the the Truck yard, there's right, right. like all these Rodeo cool. Goat, if you're still hungry, after right, the pizza. right, all these cool places down there. <laughs> well, uh, it's it's really good though to see that that spirit of camaraderie, uh, even even though I mean, look, let's face it, you are competitors. But that said, you're you're not at each other's throats. You're you're realizing that you probably help each other a lot more than you. Uh, impact each other negatively when it right, comes right. to sales, and, I th- so. and that'll continue, I think, for some years to come. I mean, eventually, obviously, that you know we, we will become you know more competitive in the market, and you know people's preferences will become maybe a little more stagnant. And it, we will and have then, to. Who and, then you'll be, and then you'll be like death to eighth wonder. <laughs> <laughs> who was it that mentioned? We had we had so I can't remember if it was uh, John on the show or if it was before that, but we met. We were talking about how the camaraderie is awesome. And it was like, yeah, it's awesome. 
right up until shelf space. Right. Then there's right. a little bit of a right. Yeah, sure, <laughs> right, sure. Right. Of that's course that that's where sense. it all actually concentrates. Well, that's where you guys, I feel like, have done a great job because you are you. you are really uh, starting to show up shelf space wise. So yeah, and we've heard that from point. the uh, the retail side as well. I think uh, the the marketing, the can design has uh, done a good job for them on the backside as well. We're like, hey, you know, we put four or five right. of these brands together, and it does draw people. To the beer right. aisle, and yes. if they pick us or not, and and I'll tell you though, it. I mean, and it's not because you guys are like a discount beer. I mean, you're you're a premium price right. beer, and that's uh, that's fine because it's worth it. But that has to be, I mean, getting people's attention on the shelf and making them go, I could try this. Let me have mm-hmm. a four pack. That that's a that's a big moment, you know. Mm-hmm. It's a it big is. moment. It is. All right, we're going to take a break. We'll be back. Uh, you, uh, Michael, thank you so much for. Uh, coming in even after the delay and uh, the good news that I have for you or bad news depending on how you choose to uh, view it is that you made it in time for drinking news because that's next coming up that's my favorite (laughs) we'll be right back kids I'll be right back Welcome back, my friends. It's Smoking and Toasting. Our program is all about craft beer, fine spirits, and hand-rolled cigars. We are brought to you by MyCigarShirts.com. Great shirts on the web for cigar lovers. MyCigarShirts.com because... Cigars. Yes. And my life is complete now because uh, I I often uh, miss... There are times occasionally when wherever I am, I can't actually hear a leaf blower. But uh, I can hear one now, and so life is uh, life is full and complete. Now I know so. why you live so high up in the building. Uh, you, do you think that keeps me from hearing the leaf blowers? It does not. <laughs> it does not. I can hear them from the 32nd floor. I'm not kidding you. It's, it's ridiculous. And, the, in fact, there are some sounds that are actually louder. There's a lot of these uh, a-holes with these uh, pickup trucks with completely illegal uh, muffler systems. They like to go down and race around the park at night. Fine. But it's just like, come on, really? You don't have anything better to do than to listen to the sound of your stupid ass truck, you know, echoing between the uh, uh, between the hotels down here. It's a little ridiculous. But <laughs> I digress. It's time to move on to something more positive, and that positive thing would have to be drinking news. Drinking news, drinking news. Now it's time for drinking news. Drinking news, drinking news. Now it's time for drinking news. A Florida man with one arm said he had a gator for a pet. When asked about his absent arm, he said, uh, I had to take my gator to the vet. Drinking news, drinking news. Now it's time for drinking news. Cheers, y'all. Well, welcome to Drinking News. It's our segment on the program, which has become inexplicably popular. I don't know why or how, but it seems to have done exactly that. This is the part of the show where we bring you a uh, story that we believe to be true from at least some sort of semi-reputable news source. Uh, And it may uh, occasionally be a story that is about drinking, but it is always a story that's best listened to if you've been drinking. And we certainly have between the rum and the... uh, uh, and the uh, beer here, this uh, petite saison. Um, I may have to have more of that in a little. Do you, but do you have a little more of that? But yeah, absolutely. But on for, to the drinking news, drinking my friends. News. A Florida woman. <laughs> <laughs> drinking news. Drinking news. <laughs> now it's time for drinking news. 
Don't you love when it starts with that? Those are, those are always the best. You know they? it's going to be good. A Florida woman has been charged with misdemeanor criminal mischief after an incident at a restaurant in Seminole called Irish 31. Investigators say that 37-year-old Catherine Trammell and an unidentified partner caused $500 worth of damage to Irish 31's bathroom. According to the arrest affidavit, Trammell and a friend were asked to leave the restaurant after staff discovered them <clears throat> being intimate in the bathroom. Someone was feeling amorous. Yeah. According to a sheriff's deputy, the defendant and her friend left the bathroom, went back and returned to the bar, but apparently they weren't quite done because police allege that Trammell and the friend subsequently returned to the bathroom and resumed their intimate activities, at which, you know, at that time resulted in them destroying the bathroom sink by breaking it off the wall and crashing it into pieces on the bathroom floor. Trammell, police reported... What part of intimacy does that have to <laughs> Trammell, police reported, would not offer a further explanation for how the sink was damaged, as if that was actually necessary. Uh, she was charged with criminal mischief after the restaurant's owner said that he does, in fact, want to press charges. While notified in the, uh, not identified in the affidavit, Trammell's friend appears to be male. Still unexplained is why the friend does not seem to have been similarly charged mm. in connection with the sink destruction. Uh, there has also been no information as to whether the restaurant will replace the sink with a similar one or one of the newer, more load-bearing models. Uh, so, um, reporting from Florida, my name is Cruz, and that is your... Drinking news, drinking news. That's our time for drinking news. Cheers, y'all. Seriously, on the bathroom sink. And do you know how gross bathroom sinks are in uh, restaurants and you bars? You made that. I mean, you're going oh. to the bathroom to have some fun. I feel like you've already committed to the project. <laughs> That's <laughs> dirty. That may be the case. That's and, very and, dirty. And apparently, you know, when they chased them out of there the first time, they were like, yeah, no, no, we're not quite finished. So we're going to. Uh, we're gonna go back to that. So, <laughs> mm -hmm. so, uh, so she's got a ever, picture on here where she's kind of smiling. Mm -hmm. You ever gotten uh, down and dirty in a in a bathroom, Ian? I'm not like saying anything. Public, public I'm bathroom? not answering any of these I, I, questions. So you're in a band, so I got to figure you've been in. There's, uh, there's no, I, uh, the, there was, I'm not Michael? answering anything. I played the fifth. Uh, okay, all right. that's all we need to know. Well, I mean, it's we're still in Houston. Right. <laughs> you know, questions are going to be asked. This is true. <laughs> questions, uh, yeah, questions will be asked. No question. No question. The questions will be questioned. Uh, okay, let's uh, let's do some more beer. Uh, you you brought uh, us the Little Joe, which was the uh, double hopped American Lager. You brought us the Small Giant, which is the Grisette. We, we seem to have a theme going on. Uh, we I do, we, we do. do. And now we have a dry hopped saison. So we're going to step it oh. up from the Grisette. Right, so we're gonna keep it in family. Here, we're going straight into Funkland. Yeah, I want to steal your job. Yeah, dry hopped saison. Though, so this is this is interesting. So, I you know I think about dry hopping more with IPA as a style than than with other styles. But you've already brought us a dry hopped lager, which is fantastic. Uh, how how should we expect it to impact this uh, style of beer? So, uh, it's gonna give it a little brightness. Okay. Right, so uh, so again, the saison, uh, as we discovered in the in the uh, the lighter version there, small giant, um, it it has a nice little uh, 
you know, farm funk kind of character mm-hmm, to mm-hmm, it. Mm-hmm. Peppery spice at the end. Uh, nice long finish. The dry hop in this, uh, which we dry hop with uh, Amarillo, is going to end mosaic. Uh, it's going to give it uh, the Amarillo is going to give it that nice uh, kind of orange citrus character. More on the front end. You can and on smell the, the orange citrusy thing going mm-hmm. on right now. So are Amarillo hops from the Amarillo, Texas area? Uh, it doesn't seem like that would be a very friendly hop growing environment to me. No, yeah. sir. Yeah. So <laughs> did we have any idea uh, how, how they became named Amarillo? Uh, so uh, Amarillo. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I believe yeah. it's from uh, Amarillo, the, the uh, orange or yellow. Oh, uh, gotcha, gotcha. Yep, 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 that makes sense. Might but, have been uh, a word before the town. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's nothing that grows up. I think we have Cascade grows pretty well in Texas. Yeah. Uh, yeah, maybe this is, Columbus. Texas is um, not a big hop producing area. Unfortunately, yeah. no. Mm-hmm. no. But um, I mean, that's that's what makes uh, beer worldwide, right? I mean, we just like wine or anything else. We're, you know, no, we're good at all corn and cotton. Corn, yeah, cotton. That's king. <laughs> corn and <Wow>. cotton. <laughs> so yeah, you should get a nice orange burst mm-hmm. uh, on the on the aroma there. And then that's going to lend into, again, more of those traditional Saison characters. It's, it's going to be pumped up, right? This is a uh, about 6.8, I think, 6.9% uh, mm-hmm. uh, ABV. So Saisons usually aren't quite that big, are they? Uh, again, usually the, the traditional – so I like to say the uh, Americanization of, of beer right. usually ups everything a percent or maybe a percent and a half to. Uh, so the traditional grisette that we were having earlier, that petite Saison – is uh, the miners' beer we're talking about that? That in Belgium and, and France uh, during the Industrial Revolution was more two and a half to three and a half percent. Mm-hmm. Ours is four and a half percent. This one's uh, almost seven percent. This would have been in the more five to six percent in in the uh, traditional traditional style. style. This yeah. one goes to eleven. This mm-hmm. one, yeah, yeah. We we like to you know that's that's how we are. We like to bring it to eleven on everything. We're like if three is good, mm-hmm. four right, right. is more right, gooder. Right, right. So what's, what's the story with the uh, eagle on here? So the uh, contact light were the first words spoken on the moon, mm-hmm. right? The actual first words. So the eagle has landed. Uh, oh, is, is nice. oh, I don't is know what, why I didn't put that together. Is traditionally, what people believe the words were on the moon. So we had a little play here where we put the the graphic where the eagle is landing on the moon. Right? I've used that uh, that phrase before, but it didn't mean landing on the moon. Yeah, probably not. Uh, so. Um, Walk us through uh, the other titles here, because you guys always have space and NASA themes. Right, yeah, so Small oh. Giant is a uh, quote from, it's a bastardized quote from Neil Armstrong. Okay. Somebody asked him, you know, uh, you know, you, did you feel like a giant when you were, you know, in space? You just landed on the moon. He said, no, I didn't feel like a giant at all. I felt very, very small. You know, I put my thumb up and wow. could blot out the entire Earth. That's where the pale blue dot wow. type wow. thing comes from. And then uh, this other one, Little Joe Two was uh, the uh, first of the testing rockets that we used in the Mercury program to okay. uh, yep, you yep. know launch mm-hmm. vehicles that, that eventually you know turned into Redstone, which is another. All of our loggers are named after the launch vehicles. Um, all of our sours are named after uh, you know women in, in space and and pioneers in space. Um, so we try to keep a little theme on, but quite there's honestly, a, if you don't a madness know, madness to their method. There mm-hmm. is, yeah, yeah. We uh, we try to keep away from the punny names. We try to keep away from the kind of tongue in cheek or one off things. We try to bring you got to leave that to Eureka Heights. We got to leave it to the rest of them. Everybody else wants to join in on that. A lot of that out there. So yeah, yeah. no, I know. I, I I like what you and and again, you guys have come up with a way to design these cans so that they all are different but have similarities to you know your other uh, variations and stuff. And it and it really helps with that shelf stuff we were talking about because you're noticeable. Right, it stands out. 
appreciate it. Yeah. St. Arnold does that well, too. You know, all of their stuff has got a very similar look to it, with the exception of like one or two. Uh, different. Well, you always have the Saint things. on the front. Yeah, yeah. There's, a, there's right. a few companies that are really good and consistent like that. Right. And honestly, I think that's for you know unsolicited advice. I think that's something that everybody should take a cue from mm-hmm. as we get more crowded in the market, as uh, you know, more breweries, distilleries, wineries, everything so, are opening up. Yeah. It's harder to differentiate, and having some thematics and having a through line in your branding, I think, really helps. So there's over 9,000 craft breweries or breweries in the United States of America. That's correct. 9,000. Uh, do you think that number continues to grow? Are we about to level off here? So uh, so we did see some leveling off in the past uh, year and a half, two years But, of course, we so. had the virus and right. all of that, so that had to right. have, so. I'm just wondering now that um, you know a lot of cities have you know opened back up and that people are going back to bars and, and restaurants, uh, do you see it going back into a growth phase? or I do, and the reason I, I see that is because we're becoming more hyper-local as well. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think the advent of uh, kind of staying local and going within a kind of one-mile radius, you know, of can is this walkable? Can I get somewhere? Or the there's little a, mini markets or the little uh, places that have... It's, it's like going back... Uh, there's a historical precedent for that. Like every town had its own local breweries mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And, and things so, like that. And then it became this huge, you know, after Prohibition and everything, it became this huge homogenized industry. Mm-hmm. I mean, that literally and, uh, you know, figuratively at the same time. But, uh, and, and that whole thing was gone because, you know, all breweries were gone at that point for the most part. But now it's coming back to it where it's like right. St. Arnold entered a world where they were trying to compete with a lot of things and they really, really pushed a lot of boundaries. Right. But they entered a different craft world than what you guys entered because right. you right. guys entered a craft world where you can be local and be successful. Right, right, right. Where St. Arnold didn't, and it's kind of an interesting thing to see what what is expected from like an opening a craft brewery nowadays. Right. Because that whole local thing is so good. I I remember. I mean, we've come so far from man. You can only get good beer in Germany. Like right. I, I can't remember, I can't tell you how many times I used to hear that like when I first moved into Houston, and um, and you know I was always searching out you know good beers and things that you could find. And anytime I went to a different town, I was like, "What's local? Can I find a good local beer?" What well, back when you right, couldn't, yeah. you know, or, or you might find one little spot or well, something that's right, like that. Yeah. And I think this is one of the most beautiful things to happen to the industry is mm-hmm. to be able to go what's close to my house because. Even where I live, which is like a little deficit of bars and <laughs> bars and breweries, um, uh, you make up for that. Lots of house. Mexican restaurants where I live, yeah. but and which is fine. But the bottom line is, like, if I wanted to go to True Anomaly, he's ten minutes away as long as there's not that much traffic. Right, right. right. It's not right. Bad. and I yeah. love that. So I'm gonna I'm gonna give you a, a storyline that uh, I've been following a little bit, and I think is is a little bit of a precursor of what we're seeing. Is um, you know, again, ten years ago, if you wanted good beer. You had to go to a flying saucer or hay merchant to see in their conglomerator of beer and say, okay, that's where we're going. And now the advent and revolution of having local craft beer, people are now choosing to go to the actual location, then to the conglomerates. And we're seeing this, unfortunately, unfortunately, you know, hay merchant recently closed uh, and, and flying saucer has been 
having some rough times. They just closed well, a location we, in Nashville. We actually uh, talked that, about that on the show a while back. Yeah. That beer bars are uh, are Less seeing some thing, setbacks yeah. right, because right. of people going directly right. to but, tap rooms. But the tap rooms are actually doing fairly well, right? They're because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. they're absorbing, they're cannibalizing a little bit of that market where mm-hmm. people are electing to go. Hey, I. That's great. If I have some company and I want to go to a place, I'm electing to go to the place where it's produced right, and right. have a whole experience there. And drink it and, out of the tap. You know? Right, right. <laughs> Rather than going to a more commercialized uh, opportunity where mm-hmm. you know they have lots of different things. Not that I don't think there's a place for that, but it's a storyline that I think is very interesting. I think uh, that's indicative a little bit of where we're seeing the market move. Yeah. Right. And then the other thing I'd point out is uh, from a statistics perspective, you know, pre-prohibition, there were over 3,000 breweries, yep. and there were under 100 million people in population in the United States, right? We're growing closer and closer to 350-plus. There's, let's say, 9,000 breweries, but I think clearly, based on population, right. there's opportunity there to grow that where, you know, if you look at, you know, dense course population, where is, within a one, two-mile radius, how many breweries are servicing right. those people? And there's still great opportunities there. Yeah. And again, London, you look at something like that, there's four or five hundred pubs right, that all right. have their own beer, right, that they right. Com- contract right, yeah. out. And everybody goes, has the pub culture. You know, they come out, it's after work, they have their one or two or three, they go back home, it's all before 8 p.m. You yeah. know, they're done. You know, it's just part of the cycle. So uh, so I do think there's a trend towards that. That uh, And again, aligning to our previous conversation, you know, people are kind of electing and choosing the one they like the mm-hmm. best or maybe mm-hmm. even the closest uh, right. of the best. <laughs> the, so the, that's I find, proximity. too, like we've gotten to a point where I find uh, I tend to uh, subcategorize breweries depending on what they do really well, like mm-hmm. in my perception, you know. Like, I think of certain breweries, like, if I think of Eureka Heights, I think, okay, those are very friendly, approachable beers. So if I want something like the Bucko Bunny, or I I also love them just simply because of the uh, Wicked Awesome, because who else makes Mm -hmm, an ESB? mm -hmm. And that just makes my heart happy. And they came away with a special one for that Yeah, they did, yeah. A little GABF metal. And And, uh, and and you think of, like, Ingenious as being very IPA-forward, you know? (laughs) Ingenious is uh, one of those, like, they do... Crazy stuff, you know, like that's mm-hmm. the over the top. If and I it's think only hazy IPA, for fifteen minutes, you know. Right. <laughs> yeah. If I think hazy IPA, I'm thinking uh, uh, spindle tab. Right. Right. Uh, when I think oddly enough, when I think of you guys, I think of the Belgians because you always have two or three different Belgians, and that's like what I'm drawn to when I go there. So right. like, there's a lot of different characters in different breweries, and then Barash, of course, I think of ridiculous IPAs and or uh, stouts. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's, uh, it's fun because for me, like depending on what mood I'm in, I'm oh, let's go to here, and then, and then almost every brewery you go to, is if it's not within walking distance, it's a tiny short drive to another brewery. So if you want to just go hop a little bit, right, you, you know, because I'll go, I'll go if I'm going to go brewery hop, I'll go to the furthest one from my house and then start making my way right. home, yeah, make you know? way back, sure, right. Yeah, right. And same thing that when we sense, travel, yeah. right? Like you're going to go to Bell's, and you're going to say, "Where's the two hearted?" That's going to be the first one you have, but <laughs> then you're going to say, "What else you got?" Right. And uh, and mm-hmm. just as brew locations go, you people do have more of a footprint of, hey, what are we about? If I want this style, this is what I'm into. Mm-hmm. You do it like the Alchemist and Hetty Topper. Right. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're kind of a, you know, what? Right. <laughs> that's, right. that's it. I mean, if you, have you asked know, you what else do they beers. have, they'd be like, I don't know. Yeah, they've got <laughs> other stuff, but we that's what we know of. Right. Right. If, unless you're from there and you've had a chance to go in and, and see what they're right, all right. about. But you're going to go visit it nonetheless. Absolutely. Like, I got to try it out. And, and that's you're going to have one of those because you're there. Right. right. Yeah, that's, also, that's can we experience. talk about just how brave Klaus is? Oh, yeah. They have no IPA. Yeah. I find that amazing. Right. Yeah. 
And I'm okay with it too. Like I don't hate IPAs, but just finding a brewery that doesn't have IPAs, I think, is well, unbelievable. They've, they've <laughs> kind of found their niche, I think. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and they have great beer. Yeah. So. Yeah. yeah. German lagers. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> All day. They, it's it's what they specialize in, and uh, I like though that you guys, you know, you may have a couple of areas of specialty, but you you really have brought a nice creative touch to a number of different styles, and I I really like that because uh, because this is this little Joe. Two, little Joe the second. Um, this is just a wonderful lager, and yet your IPAs are some of my favorites. And uh, um, I don't know if there's any other saisons out of a can. That no, where they aren't. That that, that's what I was telling you, you earlier. They're they're more again. They're uh, I use the word earlier, tepid. They're they're very difficult to manage. The yeast is difficult to manage. So in, you have to. Uh, they'll continue fermenting and if you have a can yeah yeah. you know so that's something we have to qa about and you know watch shelf life and ensure that uh you know we don't have any can bombs going off anywhere Mm -hmm. yeah yeah so saisons you want to drink fresh absolutely don't store them saisons and ipas are fresh most everything we can i mean when we bottle something it's intended to be bottle conditioned Mm -hmm. we do that and you know those are the things that you can hold on to until you're looking for some peak Type mm-hmm. uh, type mm-hmm. type drinking, you know, you can have them fresh, or you can wait a year. Two By the years way, Utopias gets about four years, and then it just turns into uh, soy sauce. Yeah, yeah. Same thing with, I mean, <laughs> Dogfish One Twenty. You know, yeah. I mean, there's a peak there, and if you let it go too I've long, got, you're, you know, you just wasted ten months. I've got a 2019 <laughs> and a 2020 in my fridge, or no, 20. Yeah, 2019 and 2020. You better go ahead and bring that 2019 in pretty soon. Right. Yeah, in January when I'm back. You can <laughs> just go ahead and bring that in. I'll bring him in. You may yeah. be pressing your luck there on that one a little bit. Um, yeah. Well, but uh, I, I love that beer, by the way. It's listen, such a good it, beer. it has been a real pleasure having you on. Let's uh, let's do this again very, very soon. Um, and you guys, about how often do you add something to your lineup? So uh, we try to bring something uh, in a couple times a month. So uh, that makes and, sense. You, and usually it's uh, something maybe a one on the clean side and then one on the the let's call it dirty side. You know something that something is really unexpected, really unexpected that yeah. we've you know we've been working on for 12, 24 months that you know has been bottle age, bottle condition, and uh, we have actually one coming out tomorrow. Uh, we did a collaboration with Eureka. Uh, we took Mini Boss. If you're familiar with mm-hmm. Mini Boss, we put that in one of our fooders, which is the large cask. Uh, we inoculated it with some Brett. So it's a Brett IPA, kind of experimental IPA. If you oh, really fine. want to try something new and interesting. Did it sour it? Uh, no, not sour, just Brett. Okay. Yeah, so uh, so a little, it's a funky IPA. Yeah. So if uh, you I'm really want to try something new and different, uh, yep, yep. come join. We're doing a dual release at that time, so they're going to have it in their tap room. We're going to have it in ours. And if nice. you really want to try something fun and different, highly recommend. That come collaborative check that out. thing we've been I talking about. I love stuff about. like that. Yeah, and that one's called Steely Eyed. And that was like uh, Steely Eyed Missile Men. That oh, was a, like uh, like a term from a Gene Krantz uh, a term or you know, persevering through, through hardships. Steely Eyed. I, like I like it. And what's ours called? Uh, pontificator. Pontificator. Or, or, what or was Pontificus. The, what was Pontificus. Pontificus. I like Pontificus. Pontificus Porter. I like Pontificus because it sounds like a Greek god. <laughs> Pontificus I, Maximus. Like a person. I am Pontificus. Right, right. And yeah. I demand that you drink my yeah, yeah, beer. Yeah. Thank you, Empire. Absolutely. Well, Michael, thank you so much for being on the show today. This has been great fun. And I'm going to pour myself just a little more of this so we can uh, toast out here. But uh, Oh, man, uh, I but, just but crushed please, the rest of this one. Please prepare to come back. Yeah, uh, Ian, you've been very busy over there, I've noticed. 
please uh, prepare to come back. We will look forward to having you. And I want to say uh, thank you to uh, Adam on the Wheels of Steel for uh, uh, for keeping us all afloat today. And uh, and we are uh, we are one more show before the end of the month, and that is our pipe show, which will be next pipe week. Show. So we'll be looking forward to that. And uh, want to say thank you in advance to the guys from the Briar Shop who are uh, opening up and letting us come uh, do our pipe show there. It's going to be a lot of fun. So uh, happy holidays to you. And everyone from True Anomaly, go visit them if you're in Houston. Their tap room is well worth it. They're in East Downtown. Have a great week, my friends, and uh, salute. Cheers. Cheers, y'all. Salute. That's so fun. Little Joe, also the name of a throwy sound. Guy.